lots of land and the starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Let me ride through the wide open country that I love. Don't fence me in. Let me be by myself in the evening breeze. Listen to the murmur of the cottonwood trees. Send me off forever, but I ask you please. Don't fence me Well, well, well. Good morning this morning, everybody. Good morning this morning. Good morning. It's Thursday. Thursday. Big day. Big, big day. Yes, we have the big Kavanaugh hearing this morning. When it starts, I'll find a live feed for you, so we'll... Maybe you can call that in. I'm hoping, actually, it doesn't start while we're on the air. Because at 8.30, I'm supposed to get a hold of Jim Carafano to talk to him about all the goings around the world. The U.N. speech, the president and North Korea, the president in China, the tariffs and things like that. Do you realize that... Well, nobody's going to tell you this. Well, people have told you this, but you might not have heard it. Charles Payne pointed this out yesterday that China has reduced its tariffs. I don't know whether you guys realize that or not. They, with with ten percent that they had, the ten percent they tacked on everything. Now it's down to around a little hovering over a little, little, little close to seven now. So. Uh, they've reduced their tariffs. Go figure. I, mean, I thought we, we were supposed to be afraid of them, and they were going to retaliate and blah, blah, blah. And they are in some areas, or especially in areas that might affect swing states. So they're kind of meddling in our elections, so to speak, with uh, some of their tariffs. But we could talk about that later on. With Jimmy, he's going to uh, be with us at 830. And, of course, if the hearings begin, then I might just go ahead and still talk to Jimmy because I want to talk to him at 830. Anyway, and then you guys can plug into this, whatever it's going to be today, to your liking. And then at 7.30, we're going to have Henry Davis is going to be in because he's got a new book out. Yeah, Henry's got a book out. Everybody's got a book out, people. So uh, Henry Davis with his book uh, called Coon, he's got going to be 
talking to us about that. So uh, I'm going to have him in the studio at uh, 7.30. He'll be popping in here, and we'll have a little bit of fun. So good morning this morning, everybody. Looking forward to seeing all of you at Santino Cigars and Cocktails right there off of Vogel Road in Arnold. That'll be a ton of fun to be able to uh, hang out with all of you, eat some barbecue, $10 a plate, thanks to the County Browns, and uh, they're going to be donating the money to backstoppers and we're going to have glaciers out there with a little bourbon tasting and i'm going to be hanging out there i know a lot of you are already planning on showing up so really easy to get to just down 55 uh right off of vogel road there in beautiful arnold well anyway happy days are here again folks the economy is booming and today it looks like we're just going to have what could amount to a hiccup or what have you i don't know uh It'll be interesting to see. So far, this statement by Dr. Ford is supposed to be already released, and some of it has been. And when you're seeing one of the headlines being, I don't remember as much as I would like, then that becomes already a problem because you're accusing a guy of attempting to rape you and also of attempting to, to kill you. So it'll be interesting to see how this goes. And uh, Judge Kavanaugh, in the meantime, has admitted to juvenile behavior when he was in college. So how many of you are here to just admit to juvenile behavior in college? Just wondering if any of you out there would like to raise your hands and say, yep, that's true. Uh, yeah, it was it was pretty hard to believe that when his classmates came out and they all claimed that, uh, that boy, this whole choir boy image of Judge Kavanaugh, he never said he was a choir boy. He just said, A, he was a virgin through college. There were a lot of people back in those days who still didn't have sex, and you know, that's just the, the way it goes. And there are a lot of people who, uh, who drank. I mean, and, and he did. I don't, I mean, lots of people did. This whole gang rape thing apparently is uh, falling through, too. This this woman's story, you know, it's supposed to kind of drop today. But this thing is people, I, I think, I think the, the problem with this whole thing is that the, these people are all coming forward now. And they're really hugely watering down the the whole thing. They're, they're watering down the impact of all these other charges, they're making it look like there are just a bunch of uh, just people out there throwing stuff at the wall. And that's kind of what what's going on here. Now, there is there's a claim in this Feinstein letter that was sent that's not the same as the claim that that the Ford made in this polygraph test because the, the results of this polygraph thing. But the, her polygraph letter, the Dr. Ford polygraph letter, contradicts a letter she sent to Feinstein. So her polygraph letter says, and this is kind of you know what you state before everything goes on, the polygraph person is supposed to ask you these questions. And the polygraph letter says four boys and a couple of girls were at a party. And the letter to Feinstein says, me and four others. So how, how do you reconcile those two things? Charles Cook asked the same question. 
So if you if you write a polygraph letter down and you say four boys and a couple of girls were there, then you write a letter to a senator and you say me and four others and it was one other girl, how do you how do you make that sense of that? So so she says six in a polygraph letter and five in the letter to Feinstein. So it, that doesn't make any sense. There's a number of discrepancies in the number of people at the party. And, you know, again, you're a person who's accusing somebody of attempting to rape you and almost murder you, and you can't get basic kinds of facts right. You're claiming that your 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 memory is lockstep, but it uh, doesn't seem to be uh, – doesn't seem to be the case. Ford said she told no one of the incident in any detail until 2012 when she was in couples therapy with her husband. And the therapist notes, portions of which were provided by Ford and reviewed by the Washington Post, do not mention Kavanaugh's name, but say she reported that she was attacked by students from an elitist boys' school, went on to become highly respected people. The notes say four boys were involved, and it's a discrepancy Ford says was the error of the therapist part. So then the therapist notes were also kind of not the same as what she's saying. So all this is kind of falling apart, and it'll take this investigator, I guess, to kind of unravel that at some point and figure that out. Yesterday, meanwhile, by the way, I'm not normally like this, but Jim is getting fat. I'm not kidding you. Whether you guys notice that or not, but he's getting fat. He's gaining weight. I wonder why. I mean, there's nothing wrong with people with a little weight on them, right? I mean, I'm not trying to be Mr. Fat Police, but uh, Jim Acosta's getting fat. I, w- I watched him yesterday. He was on the CNN, and he was giving his uh, rundown, unless the lighting was bad or something, but he looked fat to me. Looks like he's looks like, looks very puffy and looks like he's gaining weight. Maybe he's on drugs. I don't know. He's, he's got he's got the fat sweaty Elvis look to him now, uh, that you know that kind of like that bloated Elvis look. There's something going on with him. I don't know what it is. President Trump had this marathon news conference yesterday. I love it when he has these news conferences and just stands up there and he exhausts all these people who were asking him questions. They almost run out of questions to ask. So, um. Well, what do you think the weather's going to be like tomorrow, Mr. President? <laughs> you know, they're, they're kind of like they're, they're begging him to stop. But that, but this guy's, you know, he's a man's man here. He's he's a guy who gets out there and he wants to, you know, bring it on. I'll, and, and this exchange with Acosta is really interesting. It took the patience of Job for him to just not lay into Acosta when Acosta was asking these questions. First of all, Acosta was so disrespectful while the president was answering his question. And the president answered his question with a great deal of aplomb and patience and everything else. I mean, I was just, wow. I was like, dude, you're you're pretty amazing in terms of how you're handling this. But Acosta decided he was going to get up there and essentially demand the way the president chooses people to ask him questions. This takes a lot of balls, people. This take I guess it's not really balls as much as it is hubris. But this was a great news conference because the president just stood there and, and b- 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 just said, I'm not leaving until I feel like I'm leaving 
and I'm going to make this a lot. And you guys are all going to want to get to your press rooms and follow your stories and everything else. But I'm going to sit here. I'm going to stand here. And I'm just going to make you work. So Jim Acosta has this exchange with him. And then, you know, he's in the front row. And the president's really having a conversation with him. And the president's very respectful to him. I was really, uh, really pretty amazed. But again, too, you know, this is a guy who people claim somehow is anti-media and against the media. And yet, as much as he talks about how the media is the enemy, which it is, as much as he talks about that, he certainly gives the media all the access it could possibly want. It'd be different if some guy called the media the enemy and then never talked to them. But President Trump constantly talks to the media. He's... uh always talking to them. It could be in the driveway on the way to Marine One or in a news conference like this. And and by the way, the president having a news conference at a hugely tumultuous time, I mean, this this is a really hard time for everybody. And this is the time, generally, you would think that somebody might batten down the hatches and just kind of lay low and just like, hey, let's just think, let's let's think play out. But no, the Trump administration, no. President Trump's out there. Judge Kavanaugh's out there. Sarah Huckabee Sanders is out there. And they're they're telling their story. And good for them. So anyway, this is how it rolled in. And I, I, I get infuriated when I see Acosta in action. What's great about this, too, is it is on Breitbart. So kind of halfway through, there's a gun ad, which is always fantastic. So I always play the gun ads because... Breitbart does that with everybody. And nothing like featuring a headline with Acosta's name in it and then going to a gun ad, as far as I'm concerned. I like that. There's a time and place for this. And when you don't have the time or the place, Gun Medic blasts through buildup in seconds. It's like 911 for guns. <laughs> gun Medic, new from Hobbies. Thank you very much. Uh, if you don't mind, uh, after I'm finished, if uh, Ouija or Hallie or, or Vivian or one of our Female colleagues could go after me. That would be great. Unbelievable. Um, Can you believe that crap? I mean, what a, first of all, he's such a little suck up to all of, I guess, the, the other people in the, in, the, in the room, the other women and stuff like that. But come on, how, how is it possible that we've gone from an era where one line from Dan Rather to President Nixon became like this unbelievable moment in media history where there was such a show of disrespect and argumentativeness and everything else. And this happens regularly with the president. Boy, Acosta has some friggin' nerve. Vivian or one of our, or, or Vivian or one of our female colleagues could go after me. That would be great. Um, Mr. President, just to follow up on the, yeah, your, your coat doesn't fit you anymore, Jim. What's, what's wrong with you? See, the president resisted all of those things. Why is your neck pouring over that collar of, of your shirt? What's going on with you? Allegations against uh, Brett what, what does he mean by that? Explain. What, what, is, what well, does that mean? Be, I think it would be great if a, if a female What does it mean? Reporter, no, what does it mean? It would be great if a female reporter would ask you a question about the, this issue. Uh, so if you don't mind, I, I wouldn't I mind that at all. No, all wouldn't right. mind it at all. All right. Well, let me. Uh, if I wouldn't make any up. difference to me. All right. Go ahead. If I could follow up on. Uh... Then the gun ad comes right before they get to the. There's a time and place for this. And when you don't have the time or the place. Gun medic blasts through buildup in seconds. It's no. like 911 for guns. Gun medic, new from Hoppies.
able to get I'm some. In, in John's question, why is it, Mr. President, that you always seem to side with the accused? By the way, you heard this yesterday, too. They've, it, it, that's the new left-wing meme is that the president always – and then they bring up all these names. Yesterday, Stephanopoulos brought up you know, Judge Moore uh, and brought up B- Bill O'Reilly and all these people, and he's – you know, he's bringing up the same list. It's like these guys all get their marching orders from the same spaceship. And not the accuser. You have three women here who are all making allegations, who are all asking that their stories be heard. And, you know, if you look at the case of Roy Moore, if you look at the case of uh, one of your staffers, uh, you seem to time and again side with the accused and not the accuser. Is that because of the many, many allegations that you've had uh, made against you over the years? Well, first of all, I wasn't happy with Roy Moore. Let's get that straight. But Roy Moore was a Republican by. candidate, and I would have rather had a Republican candidate win. Uh, I was very happy with Luther Strange, who was a terrific man from Alabama, but Luther Strange had a lot of things going against him. Uh, as far as uh, women, whether it's a man or a woman, these are, you know, it can happen the other way. Allegations can go the other way also. You understand that. And whether it was a man or a woman uh, 30 years ago, 36 years ago, in fact, they don't even know how many years ago because nobody knows what the time is. That's a long time. And I could pick as an example. Hopefully I won't have to do it as a replacement because hopefully this is going to go very well on Thursday. It's going to go very well on Monday or Saturday or Sunday or whenever they vote. But I could pick a woman, and she could have charges made from many years ago also. But don't you understand, and I sir, would that look at the these, character. Uh, no, what I have to do. Are reluctant to come forward. You've raised doubts about these. I mean, this guy. The president ought to have like a a gun turret on his on his stage up there. This is it's just become so infuriating that you just want to just simply put a muzzle on this guy. And, and the president indeed allowed himself to be interrupted. You believe that? Very patient guy. There's many of them. I don't think people are reluctant forward. to come forward. They're going to have a chance to speak at a. Ma- they have a major you're, you're chance to speak. Excuse me. Excuse me. They have a major chance to speak, and it will be tomorrow. I assume we've delayed this, meaning the Republican senators, not me. The Republican senators have delayed this for weeks now. They're giving the women a major chance to speak. Now, it's possible I'll hear that and I'll say, hey, I'm changing my mind. That is possible. We want to give them a chance to speak. You think all three and they're given. The all three should have the chance to Well, speak. whoever is given a chance. We've delayed it a long time. But they're going to have a big shot at speaking and making their case. And you know what? I could be persuaded also. Okay? Yeah. And some people were saying that that meant that President Trump was kind of backing away from Kavanaugh. And no, he's just simply continuing to maintain the fact that he believes that Judge Kavanaugh is telling the truth. And if there's other information that indicates otherwise, then he could be persuaded as well. I think that's a very reasonable comment to make. I mean, if this morning somehow... There's some degree of veracity, some other evidence that is presented that somehow proves the case. Then we'll make our decisions based on that. But right now, the woman has no corroborating evidence, has 
a slew of convicting, uh, conflicting stories that she's telling. The Ramirez thing might as well, you might as well forget about that. The gang rape thing is complete baloney. And not only does she have a lack of corroborating evidence or witnesses, but we have a situation where it looks like there are a couple of guys who've come forward to say, hey, I think it was me. I think I might have been the guy who was attempting to rape, you know, Believe it or not, there are actually people coming forward saying, I don't know. Um, I happen to think that maybe it was me. You believe that? There are guys who were saying that it that she might have mistaken them for Kavanaugh. That's crazy. Of course, nothing can happen to them right now. I mean, nothing can – the statutes of limitations are, are over and they can also explain it and say, I wasn't attempting to – we were making out. What the hell is she talking about? But I was the only one that, that, that touched her that night and blah, blah, blah. So there, there are not one but two people at least coming forward and believing that she might have mistaken them. I'm wondering if they're going to be heard today. Who knows? But I am telling you this morning that I do believe that – you're right, Mama Kate. They have people coming forward saying they were the ones. Can you imagine what it takes to have some guy 36 later years later come forward and say, yeah, that was me, I think, that uh, she thinks was attempting to rape her. I mean, can you imagine that? Imagine how, how keyed into the uh, truth that you'd have to be and to, and to the desire to have the truth told uh, to, to make that kind of statement. Yeah, it wasn't him who attempted to rape her. It was me. It's like, oh, Lord, really? Good for you, buddy. Thanks for coming forward. But, yeah, I mean, that that's – it's getting really kind of crazy. And, again, we're entering into this hearing with the, the basic knowledge that she's already backtracking her own story. I don't know. Maybe my memory wasn't as good as it was before. I was like, Wow. Things have, things have dramatically changed. Anyway, here's the fat version of Jim Acosta, who was uh, introducing a CNN panel uh, in a situation room. And if you don't believe these guys are part of the opposition party after listening to this, I don't know, I don't know what you could possibly imagine. But, yeah, it's Jim Acosta with all that fatness going well, well i'm not sure this press conference was ever on the rails uh, as you heard uh, numerous times during this news conference the president was just not in touch with reality uh, i asked him you know that question why he always seems to stand with the accused and not the accuser it's great how they go and do these news conferences and then they and because the president has a lengthy news conference it's somehow off the rails and, and, and because the president didn't wasn't combative and everything, you know, they have to choose another way uh, that it's it's happening there. The Radio Free Almond app is not making any sound today. Oh, you mean uh, it's not crackling? I think we fixed that problem. But you mean not making any sound as in you can't hear it, or uh, or or it's not making any sound as in like the crackling sounds you heard yesterday? I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a. Uh, it's a volume problem. It's a, it's a problem on your end, my brother, I think. Here we go. Uh, and, and he really just did not want to answer these questions. As I was standing in this press conference, it, just, the, you know, it seemed to me it was just a no-brainer 
uh, for a female reporter to be able to ask the president of the United States some of these very important critical questions. I mean, I don't understand this gender politics these guys are playing and uh, Jim Acosta saying that it must be a female reporter to ask the questions and the same commentary they had when it came to the males on the Judiciary Committee. I don't I don't get this. And Acosta, I don't know who he's trying to suck up to here, but what, what difference does it make whether a female reporter asks the president a question or a male reporter asks the president a question? This tells you everything you know about the media's identity politics and how it all plays into their coverage. That's not objectivity. That's called identity politics. And I, I don't I think this is a moment that we're going to see captured in time here, Wolf, and that the president of the United States just doesn't seem to get it when it comes to this issue. You, you know, in Donald Trump's world, in the relation between the sexes, it's always 1957. Yeah. Oh, you mean and- well, you mean 1957. Why don't we go back to um, Let's see, 19, no, no, 2004, was it, when Jeffrey Tubin decided to uh, bang Jeff Greenfield's daughter and and impregnated her. Uh, he was married at the time, uh, and impregnated her, and then offered to pay for her abortion. That's Jeffrey, that's the guy you're hearing talking right now, the guy who, who impregnated a girlfriend and, 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 and while he was married and then offered to pay for her abortion. And he's telling us that President Trump was always back in 1957. Seems to me like uh, what he did 10 years ago was pretty 1957, if he asked me. Jeffrey Tubin. He's the head of the Rat Pack. That's how- Yeah, it, it's funny how it's funny how it's it hasn't been even. No, it's 2010. It hasn't been even 10 years, and Jeffrey Tubin is allowed to go on television and lecture people about being the, uh, you know, the, 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 the guys from um, the man's world of the Rat Pack and talking about men and, and, and men treating women a certain way and all that kind of stuff. But who gets a, a girlfriend pregnant? And then begs her to abort the baby, and offers to pay for it and everything else. She did. She wound up not paying. She wound up not getting an abortion. And then Tubin refused to support the baby. I mean, that's pretty crazy for us to be listening to a guy uh, like Jeffrey Tubin lecture us about the the madmen world that Donald Trump lives in. As far as I know, Donald Trump never impregnated a girlfriend. And then asked her to have a baby, uh, ha- have an abortion. And then when she had the uh, the baby, didn't pay for the, uh, didn't support the child. He had to be sued. He had to, he had to be sued to, to to pay for the baby that he created with this woman while he was married. I mean, that, that's this guy. Can you believe that? That takes some. That's, that's amazing. The hubris of of these guys in the news media. And Tubin can sit there with a straight face and say, wow, you know, uh, this is just like 1957 and Mad Men and the Rat Pack. It's like, dude, no, uh, you're the one who impregnated a girlfriend, then wanted her to get an abortion. Then when she had the baby, you didn't pay f- to support the baby. You had to be sued. That's not uh, – that sounds uh, – even the Rat Pack didn't do that. What's wrong with the Rat Pack, by the way, you a-hole?
go off on the Rat Pack. As far as I know, Sammy Davis Jr. and Dean Martin and Frank Sinatra, I don't recall those guys uh, impregnating girlfriends and and begging them to have abortions, at least that I know of. I don't know. Uh, Joey Bishop never did that either. So I don't know. I don't understand what what Jeffrey Tubin's talking about with the with the Rat Pack here. It's just like the Rat Pack. You mean the guys who uh, sang awesomely and never impregnated a girlfriend and offered to get her an abortion, and then when she didn't have uh, the abortion, refused to pay for the baby. You want to go? You you want you want to talk about the Rat Pack? You piece of crap! Now you're getting me angry. Because let me tell you something about the Rat Pack, Jeffrey Tubin. Hold on, let me let me go back. I want to hear this in the relation. I want to hear this guy again. When it comes, by the way, you're about to hear from a guy who, less than ten years ago, was banging some chick on the side. Right, got her pregnant. She got pregnant. He begged her to have an abortion. Offered to pay for the abortion. She didn't have the abortion. She had the baby, and then he refused to pay child support for the baby and take responsibility for the baby. So much that he had to get sued, he had to get sued to pay for a baby. This is the guy you're about to hear from here lecturing us about how Donald Trump is an old misogynist woman abuser. Issue. You, you know, in Donald Trump's world, in the relation between the sexes, it's always 1957, and he's the head of the Rat Pack. That's how he sees relations between men and women. Everything we've learned about how women are sexually harassed, how they respond to sexual listen harassment. Listen to this guy talking about how President Trump treats women. Listen to this guy. This guy who impregnated a girlfriend, begged her to have an abortion, then refused to pay for the baby and support the baby. He's lecturing us on treatment of women and talking about the Rat Pack, too, which uh, which drives me crazy because now I'm, now I'm going to have to play some Dean Martin and tell you the truth about the Rat Pack. How dare you besmirch the name of the Rat Pack? I would climb inside that television and strangle you. But who else is going to actually call him out on on any of this stuff? Who's going to actually uh, who, who's going to actually help us in some way, shape, or form to to get to get right down to 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 the business here? Why isn't anybody coming out and actually saying uh, Jeffrey? To, or or at least you know here's the deal: at least people uh, don't have him on the air as a specialist in in dealing with women. Why don't we? Why don't we try not having Jeffrey Tubin as a representative of the nice, squeaky clean male? Why doesn't? Why don't we kind of like just not do that? Why get a guy on the air who impregnated a girlfriend while he was married, begged her to have an abortion, she didn't, then he had to be sued to support the baby? That would not be the guy you'd want to have on television lecturing the world on the demerits. Of President Trump, I just at, at some point it's one thing you don't have to point it all out and and expose him like that, 
but but the least you could do is keep him from speaking because it's it's really obnoxious. And Dean Martin, how dare you besmirch Dean Martin's name? Let me tell you something about Dean Martin and his family. When the stars make you drool just like a <laughs> I don't know how long Dean Martin was married, but he's married for a really long time. And he allowed his mother-in-law to live with them. He lived with his mother-in-law. People would go over to Dean Martin's house and, and, and party and all that kind of stuff and have some fun. And mother-in-law was there the whole time. Is this the guy Jeffrey Tubin is talking about how oh, we're going back to the Rat Pack days? It's like, we wish we'd go back to the Rat Pack days. Because as far as I know, nobody in the Rat Pack was begging girlfriends they impregnated to have abortions. And, and as far as I know, any child created by... Dean Martin, Joey Bishop, Frank Sinatra, and Sammy Davis Jr. They paid for their babies. Linda points out he and his wife did get divorced. Yeah, people do get divorced, but I'm just saying, at one point, in his, he was married for a long time, even still, and his mother-in-law lived with, with, lived with them. But, you know, I... I uh, when he got older, thank you, Linda. Linda's got a little more info. When he got older, he went back to live with her, and she took care of him until his death. This is his ex-wife. So, I mean, you know, so honestly, and we got to listen to Jeffrey Tubin, the, the girlfriend impregnator and, and, and baby abandoner, tell us that, 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 that this is all the way back in 1957? Got to be kidding me. Of the United States. When it comes I just want to hear him again because he's such know, a... In Donald Trump's world, in the relation between the sexes, it's always 1957, and he's the head of the Rat Pack. That's... I mean, the women on the panel are like going, oh, Lord, did we just hear Jeffrey Tubin talk to us about uh, the, the madman culture we live in? Did we just hear this guy who impregnated a girlfriend, begged her to have an abortion, offered to pay for it, she didn't, and abandoned the baby? He's telling us that we're way back in 1957. Seems to me that it was Tubin who was back in 1957. And you know what? In, in, in all due respect to people who were alive in 1957, uh, that wasn't there wasn't a lot of that going on either back in 1957. So I, I don't know what the hell the guy's talking about. Now I'm, I'm I'm kind of obsessed with that. I won't I won't bother with. It. But you guys you guys get the point. I could spend all day telling you about what an a hole, what a creep. Jeffrey Tubin is, but I'm not going to do that because I've got other things to do. Like, for instance, ladies and gentlemen, playing our national anthem. Good morning this morning, live from the Discovery Design Studios, DiscoveryDesignInc.com, people.
it's not too late. Golden Oak Lending has millions of dollars available with mortgage rates in the threes. Pay off high interest credit cards. Eliminate PMI. Fix up your home. You could even skip two months of mortgage payments. And if we can't close your loan, the appraisal is no charge. Call 314-567-GOLD. 567-GOLD. Golden Oak Lending cured my blues. NMLS 114937, 111 Westport Plaza, St. Louis, Missouri. Call 567-GOLD. Everybody, welcome to Radio Free Almond. That's right, people. Radio Free Almond, RadioFreeAlmond.com. For all of your gear, I'll have some gear down there at the Santino Cigars and Cocktails. That's right, people. Vogel Road, Arnold. That's right. Having some fun down there. County Brown Barbecue going to be down there. $10 a plate. $10 a plate. Proceeds going to, ladies and gentlemen, Backstoppers. That's right. Hey. And Glacier's going to be down there. A little bourbon tasting. Going to have some cigars down there. Yes, people. Five o'clock at Santino Cigars and Cocktails right there. Beautiful Arnold. Mogul Road, people. It's pandemonium, people. <laughs> yes, you are, Captain Lou. You are the guiding light. Sound off. Captain Lou Albano, people. You guys know who you guys you know are you familiar with this whole thing and NRBQ and <laughs> Captain Lou. Fantastic. Those were the days, Captain Lou Albano. But thank you to NRBQ for uh, that thing. And I apparently uh that was so off the grid that Facebook didn't catch up with that when I snuck one by him. I just was so inspired and happy by the by by the missive before the little bit of a break there, where I was able to expose this deadbeat dad named Jeffrey Tubin, who people you can't get enough of this kind of irony. And this kind of hypocrisy, where you got a guy impregnates a girlfriend while he's married, begs her to have an abortion. She doesn't have the abortion, and then he doesn't bother to pay for the baby. And she's got to take him to court and sue him. This wasn't even 10 years ago. 
and, and this is what we get from this dude? Donald Trump's world in the relation between the sexes, it's <laughs> always 1957. Yeah, we got to listen to him lecture us about how Donald Trump is living in the past where men abused women. Oh, really? How about eight years ago? When you were banging some chick, you got her pregnant, begged her not to not to have a baby, wanted to pay for her abortion. She didn't do it. And then you just said, well, then fine. I won't pay for the baby at all. I'll just abandon you and the baby. And had to be sued for it. And he's the head of the Rat Pack. Yeah, right. Dude, the Rat Pack, to my knowledge, never did anything close to what you did. Plus, what is, what is, what's even weirder is the relationship he had was with one of his colleagues' daughters. Jeff Greenfield, he, he was working with Jeff Greenfield, and it was her da- his daughter that they had uh, they, they, they had the relationship. But he's working with this dude and then having sex with his daughter and then impregnating her and then wanting his daughter's, his, his buddy's daughter to have an abortion and wanted to pay for it and everything else, and he didn't, and she didn't, because she decided that she, she chose life, and then he chose then not to pay for the for the baby. And we got to hear from Jeffrey Tubin telling us about, oh, yeah, this is just Donald Trump is going way back to 1957. This is a, this is a, this is horrible. It's like, dude, you're the one that was living back in 1957. By the way, did you see this uh, Kavanaugh attorney? Uh, Beth Wilkinson, she went on this media tour yesterday as well, and she was great. These people have been putting out an all-out blitz in defense of Judge Kavanaugh, which has been great. This is how you do it, people. This is the, the, the Republican, the new Republican way, thank goodness. You know, this is the, this is why we elected President Trump, because he's a fighter and because he gets his hands dirty and because they don't take any crap and let people walk all over him. So, you know, yesterday, of course, President Trump said, well, my mind could change. Well, yeah, it's true. You know what, folks? All of your minds could change by the time this is uh, this is done. All your minds can change. Uh after all this said and done today, we don't know what's going to happen today. We can pretty much guess, though, and this woman's story is going to get worse and, and with filled with more holes and sink even further down. I want to I want to uh, just to take a moment here to address uh, Kim's co- uh, comment here, which is which is absolutely positively true and something that people kind of forget and don't address properly sometimes. She says, abortion is often for the convenience of the man. In fact, many men bully women into doing it. And, and, and you know, they do. Here, but here's the other thing, too, Kim. One of the things that men do also is in these situations is uh, that, that's, what, that's what Tubin tried to do. He not only wanted to pay her to have an abortion, but she had the baby in spite of the fact that he threatened her and said, well, if you have the baby, I'm not paying you a dime. And, and believe me, there are a lot of women. I, I don't believe for a second, even though people have tried to posit this before and, and claim like there are people who use abortion as birth control. Believe me, you, you have to understand, you have to talk to a woman who's had an abortion for whatever reason 
to realize that how wrong you are in in assuming that women have abortions because they are trying to use them as birth control because you don't understand i don't think you understand the impact that an abortion has on a woman and the choice when they make it uh, to have an abortion how how hard that is i think i think people forget about that but one of the reasons why women do have abortions sometimes is because the guys indicate to them that they're going to abandon them afterwards. Just the way Tubin did with that woman. Tubin, who's lecturing us about how what a misogynist Donald Trump is, he, he did the same thing. You know, he, he did the same thing. He, he, he basically said, well, I'll pay you to have an abortion. If you don't, uh, then, then you're on your own. Well, there are some women who decide that being on their own is a horrible prospect, and and and, uh, and it's a it's a it's a, a thing that changes their mood about the baby, and and when faced with no options, sometimes they do have abortions because of that. But men sometimes play into that. Tubin was hoping that he was going to push her into having an abortion by by telling her he was going to abandon her, but she didn't. She had the baby anyway, and then he just didn't pay, and then she just sued him. That's the guy you just heard lecturing us about how Donald Trump doesn't care about women. Huh, really? Pretty amazing. Anyway, back to the uh, – and Lisa says she, he, he knows some women who did just that. There are, I'm sure there are. I mean, I, I knew a couple of girls in college who – who did that? But 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 for the most part, though, I, I just you know in terms of understanding the uh, issue, uh, Mama Case says it sounds like being alone is better than being with Jeffrey Tubin. That's for sure. You know, Jeffrey Tubin kept saying, "Oh no, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave her. I'm gonna leave her. I'm gonna leave her," and never did. And then uh, they had the baby, and he says, "Oh, please get an abortion." It's like okay. That's the guy who's and, – and plus I'm really actually – I don't know what I'm more offended about. The fact that Tubin is such a hypocrite or the fact that he drugged the uh, – dragged the Rat Pack into the whole thing. And to my knowledge, the Rat Pack guys – I don't know. There might be some examples, and you might have them, of, of them mistreating women. But other than it just being the 50s and there being a certain level of, of inequity in terms of some relationships back in those days, you know, but – I don't recall anybody in the Rat Pack impregnating their girlfriends and then begging them to have an abortion and then abandoning them after they had the baby. Okay, you get my point. So anyway, Beth Wilkinson, she spent uh, Wednesday on this media tour on behalf of Kavanaugh. And Katie Tour decided, and, and I love the, the way that my friends over at Newsbusters posit this. They say that Katie Tour uh, brought a knife to a gunfight when it comes to the facts and presumption of innocence. And so Kavanaugh's attorney, this is uh, Beth Wilkinson, went out there and decided she would go, she was going to teach little Miss Katie Tour a lesson. Here you go. Are you calling her a liar? 
I'm not calling her a liar. I think she has known about this for a while, supposedly, and so has Mr. Avenatti. He waved this on some of your programs uh, since last weekend and said he knew about it, and he never went to the police. As an attorney, I know what my obligation is. It's to my client. And if I had represented her, it would have been my duty to go to the police immediately. Well, now, given why that, is given it that, that none of those people of have people come over forward? Years, why is your client not demanding an FBI investigation to get to the bottom of this? He, he didn't know about this until it came out today. Mr. Avenatti has had this information for weeks, months. I don't know how long he's Is had he it. Is he now demanding an FBI investigation? He, he knows he didn't do it. It's not his job. If the, if the committee wants to demand an investigation, what I don't Why understand... Why doesn't he want an FBI investigation, though, if he knows he's innocent and there are multiple people out there who, can, who could go on the record and, and go under oath or, or be interviewed by the FBI under uh, threat of perjury? Why would he not want the FBI to get involved? Thankfully, our system doesn't work the way you're suggesting, that the burden gets put on somebody when there's an... Yeah, the way you're suggesting, you mean, like, where... It's it's not a system at all. It's just mob justice, which is what Katie Tour is thinking American uh, America ought to be. Which actually, unfortunately, to a certain degree, it's kind of becoming that now, thanks to the enablers in the media like Katie Tour. Well, this isn't a court trial. Nothing... This is a job interview. It's two different things. No, no, no. It's out here in the public opinion, and what you're doing right now is a perfect example. Yeah, the, this is Katie Tour. This is just a job interview. So, uh, basic standards of justice don't don't apply. I mean, that's that's the world that Katie Tour is living in, and the world that Beth Wilkinson is uh, trying to tell her is the wrong world to be living in if you're a, an American citizen. You're claiming because he was drinking, he must have done it. No, it makes I it more you, likely. I asked you, can and he this be is confident public, in his memories? Don't put words is, in my mouth. This I asked is a you if he was confident in his forum. memories. That's all I asked. Yeah, but I, I heard your last section, session, and you guys were all saying, oh, there's so much detail. There's no detail in here. There's no place. There's one or two years, generally. There's no other people. There's no dates. There's no times. There's no information here other than that there are multiple people supposedly involved. Does your client believe any of the accusers against the president? Does he what? I'm sorry. Does he believe any of the women who came out and accused the president of sexual misconduct? I don't know what that has to do with this. I've never discussed that with him. We're talking about what's happening here. And I came today to be on your program to tell you exactly what he believes and what we know. And that's it. Somebody was saying that this Beth Wilkinson is David Gregory's wife, which is uh, even better because Greg David Gregory is uh, kind of a, a, a left winger. I'm, I'm, uh, to, to my understanding, so there is even among some people who would otherwise be cavorting with the left, there is some sense of decency, and uh, she made a really good case. Katie Tour, if you look at her face, which is this, this smug look on her face, she thinks she's winning this battle even as we're watching her being torn to shreds. Now, keep in mind, this is a very important point to, to make and a point, point to consider. When, the, uh, when someone is trying to claim after someone accuses somebody of sexual assault and nearly murdering them that no standards of justice need apply to this argument because it's simply a job interview, that's just them trying to go around the basic rules of justice because they really don't want justice. They want a conviction here regardless. And as long as they get a conviction that results in a guy not having a job, then they're perfectly okay with this. They don't care about the 
the legal ramifications of this. They don't care really even about justice for Dr. Ford. They care really only about making sure that Brett Kavanaugh is not a Supreme Court justice. And my opinion is by the time today is over, he will be. Now, there are some individuals who are in the media who are uh, – these were like some of the cable guys out there uh, that there seems to be a concern among these people because it's kind of like – let's put it this way. When – if you watch a football game and you see one guy tackle somebody and then you see – Another guy come, let's just take an example. You sack a quarterback. The guy sacks the quarterback. Then another guy dives onto the, the pile. Then you'll notice that there are other players around trying to keep the other guys from piling on too, right? Or you've seen situations where there might be a fight. You've seen some videotape of uh, people fighting, let's say, at the Waffle House like we did yesterday. And there's a big fight, and then other people start getting involved, and other people say, wait, back off. Just let these two fight. Don't get involved. The media is doing that with a lot of these accusations. So what's happening is they really have tried to glom on to this Dr. Ford thing and this thing because they thought, well, let's just keep it kind of tight and, and clean here. And then they uh, – then other accusations come and they're like, oh, Lord, because one – is more unbelievable than the other. So the Ramirez one comes out. That gets basically blown away because she's a drunk. And then the gang rape thing is is completely outlandish and and outrageous and 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 has no degree of proof at all to it, no corroboration at all. In fact, this woman apparently the woman who's making the gang rape claim, she had uh, – one of her boyfriends thought she was so nuts he got a restraining order against her a long time ago. He was like, I, 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 I got away from this crazy woman here. And so he had a restraining order against her, and and so uh, he, she had a restraining order against him. Uh, he, I'm sorry. He had one against her because she was so nuts, and now she's the one at the center of this whole uh, gang rape accusation. And so now the people in the media are kind of going, hey, uh, um, no more accusations, please. It's starting to kind of water everything down. You're ruining it for, for us here. Stop piling on with a, a one outlandish accusation after another. I mean, come on, people. And, and now the news media is even catching on to it, to it, some of them at least, are trying to say, listen, we just want to beat him over the head with Dr. Ford, not, not all the other stuff. You're muddying the waters is what they're, what they're saying on the, in the news media. Michael Avenatti uh, certainly knows how to get a lot of attention, but we're taking this from serious accusations um, to, a, to a very political situation. Does that hurt this accusation? Michael Avenatti has inserted himself in this conversation in a way that is, you know, honestly makes the circus an even bigger circus. There will be <laughs> yeah. some Republican senators who might have been inclined. They're all they're all so worried that Avenatti comes out. I mean, by the way, this is the guy who is supposed to be the the next uh, what nominee for president of the United States, and. Uh, and and now suddenly people are complaining that he's such a hack. He's going to ruin everything in the effort to to uh, to um, ice the 
Kavanaugh nomination. They're all desperately worried about it. It's funny. Listen more openly to Dr. Ford, who will now see the involvement of Avenatti in this as further evidence that this is somehow a politically organized smear campaign. That's, that's a pretty big ball to just be hanging out there. I mean, you know, are you saying that Kavanaugh was present? That Kavanaugh was present in the room, he was in the line, he was in the party. I mean, <laughs> just line. to say he was present is is a really e- egregious lack of specificity when you're talking about charges this horrific. I mean, this is this is Jake Tapper on CNN, who's calling BS on Avenatti, and then also a whole slew of pundits out there saying. This is so crazy. What you're doing right now is you're is you're is you're basically watering the the uh, watering down all these the, the the case against Kavanaugh by piling on all these ridiculous assumptions. Plus, this woman who's making these claims seems to be bat crap crazy anyway. I mentioned the fact that her boyfriend had to get a restraining order against her, uh, but Mama K just pointed out that she's also sued her employer for sexual harassment. This woman's a mess. Now, there's a possibility that she's been a victim all her life. So she's been a victim of sexual harassment, a victim of uh, gang rape on the college campus, and uh, and her boyfriend should not have gotten a restraining order. I guess that's all possible. But it seems to me that her story is rapidly, and I mean, I mean, uh, rapidly falling apart. And it's interesting that uh, Avenatti and this Swetnick chick. Uh, they didn't go to the police or anything like ab- about this. First of all, uh, she she was a college student apparently at the time this all was going on, but she was attending high school parties, like with high schoolers. So she so it's a college student going to parties where apparently the high schools were all gang raping everybody. It's unbelievable. And, and, and uh, how come this didn't come up in any interviews at all? Because you realize that as much as people talk about an FBI investigation, uh, there was a background check of Judge Kavanaugh. He did go through some exhaustive background checks. They interviewed all of his friends, uh, all of his associates, he went through six background checks and, and, and has had tons of news stories written about him. It's, and as much as we kind of just noticed Judge Kavanaugh coming out of the woodwork for the first time, uh, as much as we just noticed him, there have been several articles about him uh, first of all, he was on Kenneth Starr's team for a while there, his investigative team, and they did articles about him then, about how he was a uh, up-and-coming rising star. Then he was uh, an appellate judge, and, and he had numerous articles written about him then. And then he was nominated there in July, and no one came forward to talk about anything of uh, of this nature. No one came forward to say that, oh, yeah, we were, you know, at gangway parties. I'm like, uh, you, no one came forward and said anything about that. 
Now suddenly all these people are coming out of the woodwork and basically saying that, uh, that, that he did all this stuff, and yet there wasn't anybody who came forward and, and talked about this. So anyway, I'm not quite sure exactly what time uh, this hearing is going to start. If it starts uh, super early, and, and keep in mind we're Central Time, they're Eastern Time, and we'll go ahead and I'll try to get a live stream going for you. But I'm kind of hoping it doesn't start until after the show because I want to uh, get Jim Carafano on with me uh, at 8.30. I'm going to call him up and we're going to do a little uh, dance regarding China and trade and regarding the U.N. speech the president gave. Uh, and we'll cover that a little bit. There was some moment where, boy, I'll tell you. It's too bad that, that, that Americans, when, you're, when your president is speaking before the U.N., you just don't simply uh, root uh, for your country. Uh, Bindi says it's going to be 9 a.m. Central, central time, so that's perfect for me. Uh, I thought it was going to be maybe 8.30 central time, but I'm, I'm glad it's going to be 9. There will be a lot of coverage you know, kind of ramping up, and they're going to cover this like it's the Super Bowl. So uh, you will not miss too much, believe me. But apparently everything, all the proceedings start after the show. So I'll be making sure I uh, am uh, am getting Jimmy on at 830 to talk about his dealings, not only with North Korea, uh, but also his commentary with at the U.N. and also with uh, the dealings with China and the trade issue. I don't know whether you guys knew this, but you're waking up this morning and noticing, perhaps, that China has cut its tariffs. Yeah, I know. What about this trade war? It's going to kill them. It's going to talk, cause these problems. And China, lo and behold, is deciding that they've cut their tariffs down from roughly around 9.8% to around uh, the 7% angle. So they've cut their tariffs 2% already. Why do you think that is? Well, it's because the president has made threats against them and the president has rightly tried to hold them account to account and they're finally changing a little bit they're finally adjusting to a certain degree mama Casey, she's going over to the viper 100.7 everybody you listen to some bon jovi are you mama k Mama Kay is going to be there tonight, by the way, at Santino Cigars and Cocktails. And she is uh, going to be down there. We're going to have a ton of fun. It will be nice to see you, Mama Kay. And keep in mind, too, I uh, had a discussion yesterday with Lacey uh, Reinhardt and with HauntedSTLTours.com. I'd encourage you, by the way, to hit them up. These tours happen uh, during the daytime pretty much every day. And they've got a great office down there. I went to the office not too long ago. And... Right down there off near the mansion house. It's right on uh, Broadway there. And it's a really a fun place to go in, into. There's all kinds of really cool things in there. That's where they kind of run the tours out of. I'd go in there. But anyway, we're, we're hoping once we get everything together with the uh, Radio Free Almond 2.0 that we're going to finally have this uh, great show on with Mama Kay and Lacey and the rest. So, uh, oh, no. Okay, Lisa. Okay, Mama Kay, no Bon Jovi. She says that it's Divine Sorrow, Stone Sour, and Black Top Mojo. Okay, I got you. I have to tell you, to a certain degree, in all honesty, sometimes it has been... Uh, Father Tom, is, is Tom Turbrock doing the... Sh- 
Is he the one? I got to tune into that station and see what they're up to over there. Is Turbrock on the air? Huh. I don't know. Because I love old Tommy Turbrock. Miss him. I hope his, uh, I, he's had some really uh, issues with uh, the uh, situation regarding his wife. And so our prayers continue to go out to Tommy and his family. Father Tom, I don't know whether you know know about all that, but maybe today at Mass when you go in or if you haven't already, uh, say an extra special prayer for the Turbrock family. Uh, yeah, Matt, they've been to your building, haven't they already been to your building, the Butler building, to see if it's haunted. But anyway, uh, to Mama Kay's point about going over to the Viper instead of Fox News, I, I have to tell you that, uh, yes, Melissa, Tommy is awesome. But yeah, I I um I really Fox News I don't know. It's been kind of it's been somewhat hard. I like the evening time. Uh the the after the morning time and the 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 afternoon time. Like Kill Me is awesome. And in fact, I'm going to wind up I'm going to New York uh on the 10th of October. Uh I'm going to be up there for a couple of reasons. I'm going to Yale University to work on a project that I'm currently involved in. It's a it's a writing project uh, that I'm not going to discuss uh, a a whole lot right now, but I will eventually when I get it done. Uh, but I'm going to Yale to look over some papers, uh, uh, some old papers regarding the subject of uh, my latest work. And so I'm kind of uh, it's it's been a huge project of mine. And a huge passion of mine. So I'm going up on the 10th of October. I'm flying up there on the 10th. On Thursday, I'll go over to Hartford, Connecticut, to Yale University, and go through some boxes that I can't wait to uh, to go through regarding this uh, wonderful woman I'm working on a project about. And so I'll, I'm going through there. And and it's going to be great. I've already made my arrangements, and so they the 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 Yale has a lot of her papers and things that I want to go through. I'm going to see my daughter Katie up there, who lives in New York. She lives on the Lower East Side, and so I'm going to be hanging out with her uh, most of the week. And she's actually going to go with me to Yale, which I'm really so happy about. She's off that day, and so uh, my daughter Katie's going to go with me, and so we're going to make the trip together uh, to Yale. And she's going to go. She's kind of helping me with this project a little bit too, because I just because I just like to have her with me. And then uh, I am going to see my brother probably up there too. But uh, more importantly, as well, uh, I'm going to be hanging out with Brian Kilmeade. I'm going to go up there and um, and and talk with him. I'm going to see the judge up there uh, as well up in New York when I'm up there. And so hopefully, uh, I'll be doing what I'll do is I will. Um, I'll work it. I'm not going to be on the stream Thursday and Friday. So October 11th and 12th, Matt's like, "Thanks for telling me." Yeah, I know. I'm. I'm. Matt's always the last person to know. Listen, I told you a long time ago when I first got on the air here that I'm an exhausting person to be around sometimes. I because I'm just so damn exhausting. But anyway, uh, just so you know, now I, I'll be off. Uh, you'll 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 be off Thursday and Friday. The 11th and 12th of October, but I will be doing uh, the Facebook lives, so I will be doing those from the hotel room. Uh, and, uh, and you know, yeah, Jim, I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to some Yale parties while I'm there too. But uh, so I I will I'm hopefully gonna be where uh, if I can get in early enough on Friday, 
uh, to do a Facebook Live from Fox News. So I'm going to go. I, I'll see. It's going to be kind of crazy up there, but I'll see how this whole thing goes. So I'm going to see Brian up there. Uh, I'm going to uh, uh, see the judge up there. Um, I guess I'm, I'm hoping that I can I can I can check in with some other folks, maybe even Todd Starnes. But Todd's been kind of laying low these days. So I'm going to be uh, uh, no, Melissa. You can't, uh, Margaret. You can't sleep late. You got to wake up and watch the Facebook lives. So no, uh, we will. Uh, so I'll be. I'm hopefully my fantasy. My aim is to do a Facebook live from Fox, uh, maybe even during Fox and Friends, and, and seeing Brian up there. And there's a good possibility that uh, this will turn into something uh, to which I'm going to uh, become a contributor uh, for with Fox News, hopefully from, uh, you know, a voice from from flyover country, so to speak. So anyway, I'm working on a bunch of stuff. So I didn't mean to actually talk about this now, but that's what I'm doing. I just want to give you a kind of a plan. You can mark your calendars that uh, I'm going to be up there uh, 10th, 11th, 12th. I'll be back Monday and put your mark your calendars and then save your calendar just in case you become a Supreme Court nominee and you got to dig it up 20 years from now or so or 30 years from now uh, to prove that you were actually watching Jamie Allman's Facebook Live from New York and you were not participating in a train uh, at, at Yale University. Just so, just in case, just mark it on your calendars and then save said calendars for that. So, uh, uh, Dan, who's on my shirt? This is um, Prince. Yeah, it's my Prince shirt. I mean, can you see it? There. Yeah, it's Prince. I can't. I can see myself a little bit, but I, it's, I'm on delay. But yeah, it's it's my Prince shirt. It says love on it. Love, 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 love. Yeah, Kilmeade's a good guy. He and I have kept in contact, and uh, he's still over, obviously, at 97.1 and uh, still tight with all those guys over there, and that's okay. I, and, and, but he's, he's responding. He's talking to me, which is really cool. Kilmeade's been a good friend uh, throughout all this, and if you have a chance to uh, give him a shout-out and tell him thanks for, uh, for standing by Jamie and, and for uh, being his bud still, great. Because uh, hopefully, t- God willing, he'll have the time for us to be up there and, and hang out and, and me Facebook Live from the Fox Studios on Friday. Thursday, I'll be just Facebook Living from the hotel, I think, uh, because I'm, I'm going to be off to um, going to be off to uh, to Yale at that point to work on my project with my and Katie's going to be going with me. So we're going to have a nice little beautiful fall day riding through Connecticut. Probably on a train, but anyway, uh, when we come back, uh, Henry Davis is going to be in at seven thirty. He's got a new book out. It's called Coon, so he's got uh, his new book out. So everybody's writing books these days. It's fantastic. Uh, good for them. Uh, and I think even Steve Ducey has a book out. I thought he was talking about that uh, yesterday. So we'll uh, we'll hang out. So. Uh, maybe I'll have Steve Ducey on with me too. I'll, I'll trick him into being on with me to say I'm promoting his book. How does that sound? But anyway, I'm New York bound. I'll be up there on the 10th of October and then Facebook living Thursday, Friday morning. And, uh, but there will be, it won't be a stream then, but I'm looking forward to going to New York, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. No New, York. New York. That's right. People. You were the best nights of my life. You got the light that always shines I miss the way that you move and the way I get high When you take me to your eyes Like I'm standing in the sky Yes, people 
see your subway cars and road graffiti. I breathe your air when I land in another city. I'll be that one that's got you printed on my bones. Yeah, you're all I know. Everywhere I go, oh, oh, I change it up, oh, oh, always on my You guys ought to watch this video. It's a great video. It's uh, this guy named Joey Badass, by the way, who's great. And it's uh, Max Fear. And I, I'm gonna I'll have to put the video up there for you. It's a great video. Great song too. Thank you so much, by the way, to Proctor Drapery. ProctorDrapery.com. Mobile design unit. Comes right to your doorstep. Yeah. No need to go anywhere else, ladies and gentlemen, for your window treatments. Michael's your interior designer. He is your procurer of awesome, beautiful materials, and he's the installer all in one. And so you're never going to have to worry about value, because you're going to get it with Michael Proctor. Proctor spelled like doctor. ProctorDrapery.com. Dr. Naputi's using them down there. His beautiful office is there off of uh, 55. NaputiWellness.com. So thank you. Got my all my supporters working with each other, spending their money with each other. That's fantastic. Dr. Naputi, by the way, is going to be down there at Santino Cigars and Cocktails for our... Thank you, Matt, for putting that up, buddy. By the way, Joey Badass is going to be in town. Uh, yeah, a couple weeks from now. I think I, I actually... I'll, I'll maybe, I think I'd say even on the 14th. Most of his stuff is a little has an E next to it, so I'd be a little careful about that, but it's a good one. So he... Uh, so. Dr. Pooty's going to be down there. I think Michael's going to be down there. Proctor's going to be down there. So we'll see you. And, yeah, that'd be great if he does his gaslight session here. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's a cool dude. Very popular among the, uh, the ute of our, uh, of our great nation. Joey Badass. Uh, Santino Cigars and Cocktails right there off of uh, Vogel Road. Going to be down there tonight. And we've got... Uh, Dr. Pooty going to be down there as well as uh, I, I, I think I haven't talked to Michael. I think he's probably going to be down there as well. Uh, but we've got glazers down there with the uh, with the, the with the whiskey tasting and bourbon tasting. Uh, we've got cigars for you. I don't think we're going to have the Radio Free Almond cigars available quite yet. I've sent them the logo, and we might have some of the wraps. I don't know yet. I'll have some gear down there as well. So I got to get that from uh, Julie and Paul Golomsky, and uh, I'll have some gear down there. If not, Paul will be down there able to sell it to you. And then also, uh, G is going to be down there with her brand new book. And I think Henry's going to be down there with his book, too. I don't know. Boy, it's going to be a one hell of a party down there today. 
5 o'clock down at Santino Cigars and Cocktails, and hopefully all of you uh, can pop in. And uh, Father Tom, do you get out uh, that way at all? Because if Father Tom comes, we can celebrate his 25th jubilee, the anniversary of his ordination 25 years ago this year. So uh, we can give him a big hug. Give the father a hug, shall we? And then also don't forget the County Brown guys are going to be there. And we are going to be uh, – oh, Steam Fitter Chris is going to be there. That's awesome, man. Good. I'm so happy. Uh, and Steve Fitter Chris is one of our esteemed uh, conservative Democrats, but he's a good guy and has been a – I don't say but. I'm, I'm not trying to have a – I'm not trying to be a butt monkey here. He's a conservative Democrat and a great guy and longtime supporter of uh, – of Radio Free Allman and also of my show back when I was on 97.1. And so uh, thank you, uh, Steamfitter Chris, and appreciate you uh, as always. So uh, County Brown Barbecue guys are going to be there. $10 a plate uh, for the pulled pork and two sides, and then we're going to give that money to Backstoppers. So we're working hard on behalf of the guys over uh, who are – and Backstoppers is a great program and and – uh, an amazing one at that. Did you see, by the way, President Trump, uh, they they said that he became the laughing stock at the U.N., and uh, I, I beg to differ on, on that matter, uh, and uh, and Mama Kay, by the way, if you can, if you can uh, no doubt, Chris, long time coming, buddy. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, so Father Tom will be there, and he's got to go back. He, you know, his his parish is there in New Melly, so he's making quite the haul. But keep in mind too that that Santino's is really pretty easy to get to. It's right off of fifty five, uh, and, and you just pop off a of two seventy there. It's, I mean, I remember being. I was over at the MAC once, having to meet uh, Mike uh, and, and and Dr. Deputy down there. We're going to hang out and do whatever, and I felt like I was going to be late. I had to be there at six thirty. And it was 6.20 or something like that. And I was at the MAC in De Pere, And I was kind of panicking because I thought I was going to be late. And I got there right on time. So it took me like 10 minutes. It wasn't even me going my usual 90 miles an hour. It was just me taking the regular roads. And I was there in no time. So it's really easy to get to. Uh, so Father Tom, <laughs> yeah, he's got to go back to New Melly. And so that's going to be uh, – but, you know, I'd be, it'll be great to see you. This is going to be a ton of fun down there. And I appreciate all of you. Uh, showing up and, and being there. And, and uh, thank you to Brett and the rest of the team at the County Browns who are going to be having the barbecue there as well. So it's going to be, it's going to be fun. So anyway, I'm going to talk to Jim Carafano about this. He's going to be joining me at about 8.30 and just before the, the hearings begin, the confirmation hearings begin. Uh, the president, this is, this is on one of the websites. It said he became the laughing stock at the UN today. And First of all, President Trump's speech yesterday to the U.N. Uh, wasn't nearly as entertaining as his marathon news conference, I have to tell you. Uh, you know, this was – let's put it this way. I believe the president has a ton of respect for the people of the world and the world leaders. Um, I'm laughing because to me, I don't need to see the president speaking to the U.N., uh, I, I, you know, I, I, this, this whole thing is just, these people ought to be thanking the Lord for us. Every foreign country in the land, uh, with the exception of maybe Iran and maybe China ought to be 
ought to be flying the American flag in appreciation for uh, all that the United States has done around the world for goodness and uh, for peace. But so the president has to go before these ingrates. Keep in mind, these people who are who are laughing at him, by the way, are more than happy to take the checks that we write them on a regular basis. Right. They're they're more than happy to go ahead and 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 take our money. But they sit there and laugh at our uh, at our president. Now, my assumption is uh, we don't have these people who are laughing aren't all of our, all our enemies, right? Because uh, otherwise you just would have Iran and China laughing, right? But, but so the laughter in this room, some of the people laughing are people from countries that are taking our money in foreign aid. How dare you laugh at our president? I don't know who was doing it. I don't know who I don't know who uh, who was laughing at him. I don't, I don't know. But the president goes up there earnestly trying to have a conversation with the rest of the world, earnestly trying to uh, to, to be the world leader that he is. And I realize that the news media pretends that Angela Merkel, who was kind of the uh, Quick, we need some old lady in a pants suit so we can say that she's the leader of the world. So they choose Angela Merkel since they lost Hillary in her pantsuit. And so uh, they claim that Angela Merkel is the, is the leader of the free world, and she's really not. She's, she's running Germany into the ground and allowing rapey migrants to take over her country. And, and, and you know, that it's, it's, it's kind of one of those things. But anyway... President Trump goes out there earnestly talking to the rest of the world and basically gets laughed at when he claims uh, that we've done some good things. And, and he's not only claiming it, we have done some good things. Here, listen to this. <laughs> One year ago, I stood before you. I wish the president sometimes, I don't know, I'd go up there and I'd have like my... 12 gauge in my hand. What's up, everybody? How you doing? But that's why I'm not president. For the first time in this grand hall, I addressed the threats facing our world, and I presented a vision to achieve a brighter future for all of humanity. Today, I stand before the United Nations General Assembly to share the extraordinary progress we've made. In less than two years, my administration has accomplished more than almost any administration in the history of our country. America's so true. (laughs) Didn't expect that reaction, but that's okay. I mean, it was it was it was a it was a broad statement to be sure, but when you look at what he has done in terms of accomplished more than almost any administration in the history of this country, 
I guess you could say, well, what about World War II and the defeat of the Nazis and all that kind of stuff? Uh, yeah, I guess that could be that could be lumped in there as well. But keep in mind, one of the uh, couple of accomplishments that the president has been able to achieve, A, is adjusting the trade policies that we have that are actually are winding up benefiting other people as well. So you have China already cooperating and cutting their tariffs, and that's going to actually help the rest of the balance of the world when it comes to our economy. You have North Korea, which was running around threatening everybody with nuclear weapons, by the way, threatening other countries with nuclear weapons to destroy other country with nuclear weapons. And he has managed to keep Kim Jong-un and North Korea at bay, ending the threat not only for the United States, but keep in mind that Kim Jong-un had his eyes on other countries around him, including other Asian countries. And so he's helping preserve peace there. Let's fast forward then on to and, and, and also go backwards to the fight against terrorism. Do you realize that the president, that ISIS has been all but crushed? I don't know whether you have noticed that there is, with the exception of people still running people over in trucks and, and in, in European countries that have not adequately protected their own citizens and their own borders. So you're seeing people run over by cars in France and Germany and those kinds of places. For the most part, ISIS has been completely dismantled. And when you consider that ISIS was a scourge not only on the U.S. and U.S. interests, but on other Muslim countries, as well as certainly European countries, and and to be able to crush a hugely growing pocket of terrorism like ISIS is a pretty big-ass deal. And, and yes, uh, I guess you could technically say that that uh, Franklin Roosevelt and our fantastic military uh, did a fantastic job there. But keep in mind uh, that, that, that President Trump's successes on a number of different prongs in a number of different areas cannot be underestimated and certainly it's not to be laughed at by these countries that should be thanking him for the fact that their citizens aren't having their heads cut off on television every other week which has been what was happening during uh the esteemed barack obama and his and his and his uh addiction to the arab spring remember all that how'd the arab spring work out for us it worked out pretty much the way we all predicted it was going to work out, badly. It created, for instance, terrorism pockets in places where they weren't terrorism pockets before. And I'm talking about, for instance, in Libya. Keep in mind, this, this is where, for instance, John McCain and the Democrats all colluded because they were a bunch of warmongering neocons Hillary Clinton is a neocon, I hope you know. She's nothing different and was nothing different than any other neocon Republican out there. 
who never met a war they didn't want to enter into. And so you have another example of where this administration has indeed done a great service to the world by deciding that they were not going to be interventionalists as much as they were going to be peacemakers and negotiators. And that's exactly what's happening now. So, for instance, if you uh, take Libya, where they... And this is why, for instance, you know, remember McCain went over there and hung out with a bunch of terrorists over there in Syria and wanted us to get involved in in that war over there. Remember that? It wasn't too long ago. And Obama was president at the time. And President Obama was uh, just this close, you know, because they were going to set up this no-fly zone and all that kind of stuff. And the perils of setting up no-fly zones is that once you set up a no-fly zone, if it's violated, you got to do something, and 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 you have to you actually actually have to deliver on your promise because if there's a no-fly zone and somebody says yes, fly, you got to react. So that's why it was it was a bad move on the part of and, and Lindsey Graham was involved in it too, on on down the line, and so. McCain was also, and these guys also egged Obama on, although he didn't need a whole lot of uh, egging on, to uh, support the Muslim Brotherhood over there in Egypt when they took over and, and, and turned the country over. That didn't work out very well for Egypt. And you know what it didn't work out well for, too? Christians. Do you, you remember all of the uh, Coptic churches that once the Muslim Brotherhood took over, when Mubarak was gone, once the Muslim Brotherhood took over, uh, they uh, – oh, really, Henry? Henry Davis is called in sick for his book. Great. Perfect. Okay. Anyway, uh, so the, the, uh, the Muslim Brotherhood wound up burning Coptic churches and, and killing Coptic Christians all over the place. And and so that was the result we got. Mubarak would never in a million years have allowed Coptic Christian churches to be burned over there in Egypt. Never would have allowed it. Never never would have put up with, 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 with something of that nature. But it happened the minute the Muslim Brotherhood took over over there. With our help, you know. Hey, it's Arab Spring. We love the It's springtime uh, among the Arabs. Let's get involved. It's like, no. The Arab Spring is not the Arab Spring. It's an Arab dead of winter. It's a nightmare. The president, and President Trump has put a lid on, on that, has, has managed to keep that at bay. What else happened? Well, President Obama decided, I know what we'll do. We'll go in and uh, uh, take Gaddafi out. It's like, please, remember when all this was happening? And, and most of us who were of, of any legitimacy were all like, uh, please don't do that. Uh, p- please, please, don't, uh, uh, please don't go and take Gaddafi uh, out. Now, there were some of you and, and some people in our reaches who were like, yeah, Gaddafi's a bad guy, though. And, and he has to be removed because uh, he's, he's a terrible guy and he, and he was uh, he was a part of the whole Lockerbie Scotland deal and blah, 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 and, and the airplane there. And I go, yeah, but Gaddafi was hated by al-Qaeda and all the Muslim terrorists, he, he, he was hated by them. You know why? Because Gaddafi didn't put up with any of their crap there in Libya. And once 
once Ronald Reagan rung his bell with a nice, strong bomb, remember that? Remember right after, I think it was right after uh, uh, the uh, situation regarding the, I, I don't remember, recall, I think it was maybe Lockerbie or, I can't remember, but Ronald Reagan decided, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go in and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to missile Gaddafi's home. Unfortunately, Gaddafi's son was killed, but Gaddafi got a long, long, long-lasting concussion out of the thing. And so ever since Ronald Reagan rung Gaddafi's bell, Gaddafi might have been a despotic leader, but he was our despotic leader. And he didn't take any crap from the Mooge. They hated him because he considered these guys to be bad actors. I mean, can you imagine a guy as bad as Gaddafi pointing out bad actors? But he did. And so there, were, there, there was no existence of al-Qaeda or ISIS or anything in Libya. And, and you remember when we were talking about this, we are going, please don't remove Gaddafi. This is going to be a bad, bad thing. And, and, and this is going to be terrible if you remove him. Because if you remove him, you have removed basically the, 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 the one thing uh, stopping terrorism from infiltrating Libya, from, from, from Al-Qaeda and ISIS having its own co- country, and, and then threatening the rest of the world. And it's only because of President Trump and his anti-terrorism activities that we actually managed to avoid a huge catastrophe with the growth of, Al- of terrorism in Libya thanks to the removal of Gaddafi, which, by the way, was a... It, it remains to be a, a terrible deed done by this country. It was a horrible mistake that Obama made. And you know what? It's interesting how when President Trump was running, he was supposedly going to be uh, a threat to the world. And this was coming from Obozo, who, who, who actually created more of a threat to this world than 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 uh, than. Trump could ever, because, because when he upended Libya, at that point, not only did these damn mooge have, a, have their own country, they had their own airstrip. They had their own, they had their own military, practically. They could take over that. But fortunately, they're, 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 while they might be good at cutting people's throats and cutting people's heads off, they still remain pretty much as a group dumb as a bag of hair. So they, they, they couldn't fly an airplane to save their life. They could fly a few stolen Chevys and Toyota Land Rovers or whatever the hell they are, but they, they, they can't fly airplanes, apparently. And thank goodness for that. And you know what? They won't because we basically destroyed the airstrips and prevented them from moving. And they can't stand that either. So when the president goes out there and says, you know... Uh, Obama! Hey, hey, I've done a... Some good things, and the UN people laugh at him. And I realize he did say uh, he's done uh, more than uh, than any other administration in history, and that can be debated, I'm sure. Especially when you talk about World War II and that kind of thing. Uh, but but uh, in modern history, this president has done a lot on the world stage to make things right for these other countries, and and, and shame on them 
for laughing at him in that way. Yeah, is it is it uh, is it perhaps an over the top statement? I don't know. I'll just simply say that uh, he's more right than he is wrong. Let's put it that way. But yeah, Gaddafi was removed. Then these guys took over Libya. I don't know whether you knew this or not, but you know Libya actually. I'll tell you, before they took out Gaddafi, you know, if you go down to Tripoli, it's uh, it's beautiful there. That whole area there is fantastic. But I don't think it's ever going to be the same again because it's now all bombed out and everything else. But boy, what a what a what a gorgeous place! What a gorgeous coast uh, Libya had at the time. Just beautiful. Oh, and then did you did you, did you forget about Benghazi? I hope you didn't. Because Benghazi took place and happened uh, right after, right after the Gaddafi removal, right? Remember, and and remember when the Obama administration and the rest of the gang went out and lied, and and, and lied about the YouTube video. We had Americans, including the the Libyan ambassador, uh, murdered. And the president lied to cover it up, and so did Hillary Clinton. They all lied. So pardon me if, uh, if I don't appreciate the rest of these people around the world laughing at our president when he talks about the strides that have been made and the strides that actually have protected the rest of the world. And, and the president has nothing to apologize for and everything to take credit for especially with the team that he's put together and, and what he's done around the world. This is a guy who ever, oh, I can't, I'm afraid he's going to have his finger on the nuclear button. Boy, I was, I was, I was afraid that Obama! Oh, this guy was going to have his finger on the nuclear button. These guys are a bunch of war-hungry neocons, man. And had Hillary been elected president, heaven knows what would be happening right now. We certainly wouldn't have any deal with China. We certainly wouldn't have any, have any, uh, we still have this Iran deal, which was torn up. I remember I heard of news media people say he backed out of the Iran deal, insinuating somehow that he's some kind of coward. No, he didn't back out of it. He tore it up. Was that backing out? He went full frontal, tear it in pieces, and we're done. And believe me, ultimately his trade policies are going to really uh, uh, improve for us as well. Check this out. These guys... Between Hillary and Obama, they go over and they sit in these uh, in these big auditoriums Obama! now. You know, you have uh, so so now it's Obama's turn to go to Norway, for instance, and sit in this you know in this in these big on these big stages and be asked all these really super uh, puff questions. And and and, and President Obama decided he was going to go to Norway and, and, and slam the global warming policy on behalf of uh, the rest of the world, I guess. And, and, and Obama hasn't changed a bit. Yeah, oh, Bozo hasn't changed a bit. He still runs around the country, uh, the world, running down the United States of America, insinuating somehow we're the main polluters in the country, in the world. And, we're, and actually, we're not. One of the reasons why President Trump backed out in Helsinki, and I mean backed out, I mean, because there wasn't anything to tear up, he just backed out, which is good, is because we were the only ones abiding by the, the rules. We were the only ones abiding by uh, the rules set forth in this agreement 
to try to reduce so-called global warming or at least pollution in the world. China wasn't cooperating at all. We were the only ones. And you know what? We did it at the expense of guess who? You. We did it at the expense of Americans and American jobs. And President Trump finally said, you know what? This is crap. We're not, we're not, we're not doing this while, while everybody else is, is refusing to cooperate. We're not going to get involved in this thing. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do our own thing, and we're going to take care of business here, and we're going to make reasonable restrictions on pollution, and we're going to do it without the Euro trash telling us what to do. And lo and behold, that's exactly what happened. And, uh, and, and so uh, good for President Trump in that way. But there's President Obozo sitting at a forum. God, can you imagine being at one of these things? It's, it's like you know Hillary sitting up there in her dumb moo-moos in, in these chairs that she looks like she's sinking slowly into. And then you have these, uh, these Europeans asking her all these puff questions. Well, I think that we got to, you know, it's like, oh, Lord, you again? And now Obozo's making the rounds. So he's here in, in Oslo, Norway. You want to listen to here? Listen to this. Can you imagine sitting at one of these things? So there's Obozo in a, in a big chair, and she's in the other chair, and they've got like a, a planter uh, behind him with a, with a tree in it, and this gigantic stage and, this, and the weird sound, like this echoey sound. So you, you feel like you're in some kind of star chamber. steer an ocean liner by standing on top of it? I don't know. Am I being picky? You stand on you see you stand on top of an ocean liner and you steer that ocean let's like what are you what are you talking about? Even if it's just moving a few degrees. Uh-huh. So uh so oh, come on. Uh, you know I would uh I would say hello to all the staff the white house that I missed. Um but you already had a long stretch of time, dude. You're not getting any more. You had eight there, years of it. There was a lot of unfinished business when I left. That's the nature of democracy. You, you take the- We're a republic. And by the way, uh, unfinished business, my goodness gracious, here's a guy who decided he was going to govern by pen and phone. Remember how everybody was saying that uh, President Trump, he's going to be authoritarian. He's going to do everything. He's not going to listen to anybody. Let me tell you something. To me, <laughs> sometimes I think the president listens to too many people. But, but, but President Obama, remember, most of what he enacted was, I got the pen and the phone. 
I'm going to use my pen. I've got a pen. I've got a phone. Elections have consequences. It's like, yep, they sure do. And you use your pen and phone. But guess what happens when you use your pen and your phone to enact legislation? Somebody else comes in, and all they need is a pair of scissors, and they can cut it up. The president, on almost everything he did, with the exception of uh, Obamacare, went around Congress. He, 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 didn't, he didn't even use, he didn't use Congress. He, didn't, he, he went around them. And yet it's Trump who now is the, is the person who's supposed to be the authoritarian. And President Trump, that's all he does is talk to these guys. With the exception of rolling back some uh, regulatory items and, and issues like that, uh, he, 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 uh, he, he's gone through and consulted the Senate and the House all the time. I mean, the, the whole tax cut package. I mean, all this, there's a lot of things that the president could have done with his own pen and phone, but decided he was going to actually do it the way this republic is designed. We are a representative republic. We're not a democracy. I wish people would stop saying that anyway. It drives me nuts. I know that we're, what are we, a, a democratic republic or whatever you want to call it, but we're mostly a, we're a representative republic. We're not a democracy, and thank God we're not. I, I mean, because, because uh, the president actually didn't, Obama didn't remember that we were a republic and actually treated it like we were a mob rule country. And so he used his pen and the phone for pretty much everything. And now everybody's just out of their tree as they watch President Trump roll it all back. Boo hoo. I'm the guy in the back sleeping, by the way. You can't see me, but I'm in back sleeping. Boy, he, he really took his B vitamins that day, didn't he? He's really just like, it's like rolling off his tongue. I mean, have you, <laughs> at least President Trump, when he talks, talks. Obozo, every time we heard him talk, he was always like, uh, well, um, yeah, mm, uh, 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 it's like, dude, spit it out. And plus, you're in Norway. You're sitting there at the thing asking all these puff questions, and you can't rattle off a, a sustained sentence without, uh, 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 uh. this is like excruciating. Yeah, they were a miserable step. The Paris Accords left the United States as being the only ones who were going to be abiding by these pollution standards, and it sold all of us up the river or down the river, whatever way you want to, whatever way you want to put it. And 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 that's been that's been the real problem is because we have had a situation where we have uh, put our American workers in peril. And that's and that's the worst part about all this is we put the American worker in peril and we sold them out. We were closing coal plants 
while West, while China was, was building them. We were closing coal plants while China was building them. When I come back, we're going to follow up on the Kavanaugh developments. We're about an hour away from the start of the hearings. They're going to start at 9 o'clock Eastern time. There's obviously going to be a lot of stuff in the run-up to that. So we're going to follow up on all these crazy claims that Avenetti's making, all the discrepancies in Dr. Ford's story, and also going to follow up on a conversation I had yesterday with someone regarding the way in which Americans need to ultimately take back control of their country. And this is going to involve wrestling some of that control away, not only from the Democratic Party, but in some aspects from the Republican Party. So I'll, uh, I'll talk to you about that as well when we come back. That's right, people. That's right. Smile. Smile. We're going to start this thing over at Duval in the Manila. We're going to have come on. Uh, come on. Do it, baby. Take it, baby. Do it, baby. Take it, baby. Do it, baby. Take it, baby. Do it, baby. Thank you, by the way, to Matthew Mitchell and the Matthew Mitchell Allstate Agency, 855-QUOTE-ME. Yeah, we do, Snoop. Thank you very much. So what the f*** you be wildin' for? I don't know, man. I don't know why people are whining, Snoop. I get my grin on. I'm smiling, bitch. So 855-QUOTE-ME is the uh, phone number for Matthew Mitchell and the Matthew Mitchell Allstate Agency. Yeah, uh-huh. We remember him for eight years, Snoop. Now you're living your best life with the lowest black unemployment rate. I don't know, in the world, ladies and gentlemen. The lowest black unemployment rate in the history of this country. Hispanic unemployment rate is low, below five, GDP upwards of four. <laughs> so I'm not going to go back and forth with you on this. Peace abounds in the world. ISIS is destroyed. China is reducing its... Reducing its tariffs all of a sudden by about 3%? Come on, people. You're living your best life. I'm going back and forth with you. Come on, people. That's right. What was I? Oh, yeah, I was talking about Matthew Mitchell. And the Matthew Mitchell Allstate Agency, 855-QUOTE-ME. Low premiums and low deductibles all at the same time. And that's because Matthew Mitchell and the Matthew Mitchell Allstate Agency, they have a pretty big portfolio there. They can, there's a lot of wiggle room for these people. Life insurance, home insurance, car insurance, Matthew Mitchell and the Matthew Mitchell Allstate Agency is there for you. And also, it's great to have Matthew Mitchell as your hometown insurance agent because you can call him anytime. And I'm usually so disorganized, I have to. Like I get, uh, I was at the at the motor vehicle place, and I wound up uh, having to uh, call him up because I didn't have my insurance card with me. 
He sent me one. I still can't find the damn thing. Where does my insurance card go all the time? I get them all the time. I have them in my hand. I, I can visualize them in my hand, but then when I need one, it do, I don't, can't find it anywhere. What's wrong with me? But there's Matthew Mitchell for me. I text him. Hey, man, how soon can you get me my insurance card? I text him that. And then, like, a, a second later, it's like, this soon. Bing! And I see my, my, my uh, insurance card right there on my phone. So I just keep it on my phone. Keep it on my pen. I don't need my pen, but I need my phone. Here's my insurance card. So there it is from Matthew Mitchell and the Matthew Mitchell Allstate Agency. Also, ladies and gentlemen, how about Golden Oak Lending? I just was talking to somebody uh, yesterday who was the, uh, uh, one of the attorneys uh, that works with Golden Oak. You know, they always have like a staff of attorneys and that kind of thing. And Golden Oak Lending, uh, he says, he says, James Hawkins, these guys, these are guys are just straight up great guys. So Golden Oak Lending now has millions of dollars available with mortgage rates in the threes. And they give you a mortgage checkup and everything else. And they will tell you, they'll give you kind of a a sense of how much money you have in your house. And believe me, you might not realize that two years ago, it's been a huge difference since uh, President Trump has taken office. The economy's done great, and so has your home value. So there's a lot of money in your house right now that you might not think uh, was there, but it is. And if you need to turn it around to pay off credit card debt or tackle some home improvement, then they've got it right at your disposal there with the mortgage checkup that can qualify you right over the phone. 314-567-GOLD. That's 314-567-GOLD. You can even skip two months of mortgage payments. Also keep in mind, if you are... Working with Tracy Ellis and the Tracy Ellis team, uh, Rick and Tracy buying a home, and you need pre-approval or whatever it happens to be, Golden Oak Lending can give you that pre-approval so you have that paper in your hand right before you go house hunting so you are able to go ahead and pull the trigger so that the people who are competing with you uh, don't wind up getting the home right under you. You can go in and you're already ready to go. You're ready to rock, all right? You are ready to rock. So we've got uh, the reaction to the latest smear job on Kavanaugh, and and that comes about from none other than uh, the CNN panel I'm about to lay on you, including I'm going to double back on Jeffrey Tubin because I can't get enough of of attacking this guy because Tubin is the one who is going out there and basically claiming that President Trump is some kind of madman, misogynist, woman hater, whatever – and it's uh, it's Tubin who is the guy apparently who has some issues with women, and so I'm going to follow up on that because he needs to be exposed. Because the fact that CNN even lets him on the air to say what he said uh, about President Trump is is a crime in itself. Because check the, the way the way this is working here is that he goes out there and he claims President Trump is a a horrible uh, person from way back in 1957 and just like the Rat Pack and all this kind of stuff. It's fraught with trouble there. I'll get to that in in just. A second. In the meantime, I want to follow up with the absolute latest on the stuff regarding Kavanaugh. You guys might have heard, uh, or or maybe you haven't, that there are now two men who have come forward and told members of the Senate Judiciary Committee that they're the ones who assaulted Dr. Ford during the House party in 1992, and it wasn't Brett Kavanaugh. 
Like, can you believe? <laughs> well, first of all, it's kind of shocking to 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 think that a couple of guys would come forward and say, uh, "Hey, he's not the one who attempted to rape her. I was." I'm like, "Wow, dude, really?" Thirty six years later, you're gonna you're gonna go ahead and and uh, well, nothing can happen to them right now. The statute of limitations is 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 clean over. Uh, so really, there's no real recourse. I guess she could maybe. I don't know, maybe in civil court could you sue them? I, I have no idea. Anyway, uh, they Republicans did release a uh, timeline of events leading up to, well, that Wednesday, yesterday. And these include details about their interactions with the two men who admitted these attacks. So uh, GOP staff members interviewed a guy who believes that he was the one who had the encounter with Dr. Ford uh, in, in 1982. Now, of course, Ford is claiming that Kavanaugh sexually assaulted her in the bedroom of this, uh, of this house where they were having a, a drinking party. Well, they had a follow-up interview with the guy, and he provided more details about this assault. Then, then they came up with a second guy who said he assaulted Ford in 1982. I, I have a feeling some of this is going to come out today uh, in, the, in the questioning of, of Dr. Ford. Now there's a question still about whether or not she's actually going to even, uh, even show up. And so we're we're kind of wondering whether or not that she's she's going to even be there. If she doesn't, uh, it's going to be pretty much an automatic that uh, that Brett Kavanaugh is going to be pushed through here. And again, we still might not have the Jeff Flake vote, but we're still going to have a, a confirmation, in my opinion. But if she does show up, this stuff will have to be talked about, and and this will be part of the questioning about whether or not she's sure that her memory is serving her right in terms of Brett Kavanaugh. Now, keep in mind, she has already admitted in a pre-filing, like there's a, there's a pre-statement that apparently was released, some kind of transcript, and she already has admitted that maybe her memory isn't all that great. It's like, oh, great. You mean after all this? And now we have two guys who come forward. Now, keep in mind, when... Dr. Ford talked about her assault. She said there were two guys involved. First of all, she's all over the map in terms of how many people were there. And at one point, she was telling the polygrapher when she, it, she wrote a statement down that the polygrapher, I guess, used uh, to, as a basis for the questions. She uh, said that there were two women there and four guys. So that's six people. Then in her statement to her therapist, she said there were just four guys and no women at all. And then in her statement to Diane Feinstein, she said there were four guys and one woman. So she, so far we have three different accounts that she put forth of who was there and, and what the deal was. Now, again, it's not unusual to have – I mean, I don't, golly, if I had to go back to 1982 and recount things, I wouldn't be able to. But – if you're going to recount things to the point where you're trying to kill a guy's career in life, then that's a different story. Like I, I can, I can, I understand that you can't remember everything, but how is it possible that you are absolutely convinced it was Brett Kavanaugh? 
other than the fact that maybe, okay, it's a lot more traumatizing to be sexually assaulted, and so you remember that clearly as opposed to something else. I guess there's that possibility that that's the, that's the reason why. But still, she's she got three different tales of who was there and what kind of people were there. And by the way, not one person at the house party has corroborated her story, so we don't really – what is it? Who are the? Why are why are these people not corroborating the story? Well, it could very well be that it was a completely different house party, and it was two completely different dudes, and it just so happens there are two dudes who come forward and said, "Yep, it was us." So, Doctor Ford says that there were two guys involved in this assault because she claims that uh, Mark Judge was the other one who was, I guess, egging. Brett Kavanaugh on or whatever. So now that we have two guys who come forward and say they participated, maybe those were the two guys. Who knows? It'd be interesting to see. The Ramirez claim, the whole he pulled his pants, that they whatever, that's that's been long debunked. Uh this woman was was uh was had a snoutful, was drunk, and 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 just is is making this stuff up. And then you have this Julie Swetnick. She's the third woman to accuse Judge Kavanaugh. Keep in mind, the news media is getting very, very anxious about all this, the Swetnick story in particular, because the news media, the enemy media at one point thought, we have this nice little package of attempted rape in Dr. Ford. So we want to stick with that thing because that's kind of the thing that's got legs. Then suddenly everybody comes out of the woodwork with their crazy allegations and the news media, which was having a ton of fun milking the Dr. Ford story. Now I have to cover all these other stories that aren't making any sense at all. And they're getting a little frustrated. I'll bring that to you in just a second. Meanwhile, Julie Swetnick did meet with uh, John Heileman and she was interviewed on uh, a show called the circus, which is very close to being completely accurate. Here you go. Things that you detail in the affidavit. What is it that caused you? By the way, this is a woman, and again, this doesn't mean that she wasn't assaulted, whatever. But this is a woman who a had a restraining order filed against her from uh, by, by a by an old boyfriend, and has also previously sued her employer for sexual harassment. So she's kind of been around the block in terms of. Uh, in terms of her being, uh, well, in terms of the drama, let's put it that way, surrounding her life. Yeah. Decided to come forward at this very moment, one day before the hearings, make yourself public. Well, it wasn't that I wanted to come out one day before the hearings. That just circumstances brought it out that way. This is something that occurred a long time ago, and it's not that I just thought about it. It's been on my mind ever since the occurrence. As far as it goes, Brett Kavanaugh is going for a seat where he's going to have that seat on the Supreme Court for the rest of his life. And if he's going to have that seat legitimately, all of these things should be investigated because from what I experienced firsthand, I don't think he belongs on the Supreme Court. Yeah, no, nobody is confirming her story at all. Not one person. The way that she recounts the gang rapey house party, and by, by the way, she was in college at the time hanging out with high school students, just, just for your information, by the way. I don't, I don't know what she's doing there, and I'm sure that there is some 
some convergence sometimes of college people being at house parties of high school people. There are people who are friends uh, who have friends who are seniors in high school who have since gone off to college. I get all that, but uh, she w- there were like 10 different parties like this. And apparently the way that she recounts the stories, it was like a zoo. Everybody was just running around raping everybody and, and getting drunk and doing whatever. And not one person has come forward and said, oh, I remember that. Not one person. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's where are these people? It's just her. I mean, there's not one person corroborating her story. I just want the facts to come out. And I want it to be just, and I want the American people to have those facts and judge for themselves. Of, of the things that are in your sworn statement, are there particular things you regard as disqualifying for a Supreme Court nominee? I think all of the above. I mean, that's not the type of behavior that anybody at any age should do. Uh, I don't think women should be treated that way. And I don't think that any human being should treat people that way. Well, on that we can agree. I, I, I don't think anybody ought to be gang raping anybody. I, you know, so I guess we have some degree of agreement with uh, this woman. That's on the circus with, with John Heileman. But in the meantime, we've got to put up with, with, first of all, we have on, on the one hand, the news media, which is actually kind of getting a little nervous about what is going on here, where, where they're like, um, Hang on, because the Avenetti stuff and the Ramirez stuff is kind of ruining our train of thought here because we really were having more fun just doing the Dr. Ford smear job. But now all these other people are coming forward and they're not credible people. And you guys are kind of ruining our path here. So if you don't mind, uh, maybe we should just stick with the Dr. Ford thing because that's more fun and more believable, even though it's really not. But they're all, some of them Michael are, are Avenatti uh, certainly knows how to get a lot of attention. But we're taking this from serious accusations um, to, a, to a very political situation. Does that hurt this accusation? Michael Avenatti has inserted himself in this conversation in a way that is, you know, honestly makes the circus an even bigger circus. <laughs> there will be some Republicans. Yeah, they're all like, they're all like please. Go away, Avenatti, the next president of the United States, by the way. Go away because you're, you're, you're putting forth these crazy stories that make no sense, aren't corroborated by anybody, and you've got a witness in the case of Swetnick who is not a credible person by any stretch of the imagination and comes across a little bit like she's kind of off a rocker, to tell you the truth. But anyway... They're, they're senators who might have been inclined to listen more openly to Dr. Ford, who will now see the involvement of Avenatti in this <laughs> as further evidence that this is somehow a politically organized smear campaign. Yeah, leave it, leave it to the Democrats to, to, to ruin even their own plot to ruin Kavanaugh because, because they, they, it's, they always overplay their hands. They always go way too far. I've come too far. Yes, you did. You went way too far. So you had your Dr. Ford little package all wrapped up and ready to go today. And now you have two other people making ridiculous accusations that are now tarnishing whatever's left of the credibility of Dr. Ford. Nice job, by the way. Very good job, Democrats. They always overplay their hands. 
It's like Maxine Waters thinks it's going to be a good idea to stand out there and, 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 and tell Americans to haunt each other at gas, gasoline stations. Go out here tell me grab gasoline. It's like, boy, that, that really is going to help you in the midterms. Having this witch telling her flying monkeys to all go out there and harass other people. Oh, how about you uh, walking into a restaurant and, and screaming at people? That ought, to, that ought to help Americans help you. Yeah, they're, and, and so the news beat is really kind of like, golly, I, I, we, we hate to have to cover this Avenatti thing because we are really actually thinking that maybe we had something with Dr. Ford. That, that, that's so, a pretty big basketball to just be hanging out there. I mean, you I'm know, are gonna... you saying that Kavanaugh was present, that Kavanaugh was present in the room, he was in the line, he was in the party? I mean, just to say he was present is, is a really e- egregious lack of specificity when you're talking about charges this horrific. Yeah, so even Tapper's kind of like, man, uh, that's pretty crazy. But this is making our job difficult because we had a really good person in in the formulation of uh, Dr. Ford, and now you guys are all polluting it with crazy allegations. So the media is very disappointed in all that. One more thing about the media. uh, Well, let me get to this really quickly. The, The quintessential overplaying of the hand actually came during... Hillary's time, and you'd think that the the left wing would have learned by this monumental and from this monumental mistake. You realize, remember when Hillary Clinton gave that speech? I'll never forget it. And I actually remember uh, sitting in a parking lot listening to this speech. It was around noon or somewhere around there. And I uh, was sitting there listening to her speech. And this was a speech where she was going to make where, – where, you know, all the, the news people, uh, whether it was Mitt Romney, everybody who came out, like when, when, when they knew President Trump was really starting to catch hold of people, they were all developing these major grand speeches that were going to talk about the collapse of our country and the impending collapse of the Republican Party and how life in America would never be the same if Donald Trump were president. Because they knew, they could see the writing on the wall. They were talking to people. They could tell. And so you had you know people like Rick Perry. I remember that. I remember that when Rick Perry came out with his big you – now he's in the cabinet for crying out loud – but Rick Perry came out with his big speech about how this is a cancer in the Republican Party. It'll be the death of the Republican Party. It's like, bye, Rick. See ya. Then Mitt Romney did the whole thing. And, but the, the, the person that really did the most damage to, her, to the Democratic Party and indeed to, uh, to herself was when Hillary Clinton came out and called Trump voters deplorables. And, and I remember – Thinking to myself, I don't think I've ever, and and it and it winds up being true. Obviously, I don't think that I've ever heard a politician, a national politician, uh, running for president, ever attack the people who supported the opposition. I mean, I, I've seen them attack the other candidates before, but I don't think in the history. Of this country, has there ever been a situation where a candidate for office attacked the people supporting their opponent? 
I don't know whether you guys can think. I don't have my Facebook page up, but I'll, I'll put it up now. But I, can you guys recall any event or anybody in, in the history of this country running for office? And I mean any, any office for that matter. Okay, whether it's school board or, or whatever else. Where well, actually, afterwards in Parkway, they they did that. But I'm talking about before that. I don't think in 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 any venue I've ever seen the likes of it, and, and much less a presidential candidate going out there and 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 calling the supporters of her opponent deplorable, attacking them viciously. And, it, and, and not only deplorable, but basically saying that they were uh, racists or what have you, xenophobic, all these things that she, she ran, that ran off the list. And, and not only was it a horrible moment that revealed Hillary Clinton's dark, corrupt soul and, and small, tiny, minuscule heart and shriveled up brain than that statement that she made. And, and, and so she made that statement, though, not only because she was desperate and because she wanted to, uh, to, to make one last move, but she made the statement because if you want to talk about dog whistles, that was her effort at the time to make you come under attack by her supporters. She was trying to pit... Americans against Americans. That's what she was doing. And so that, that was her goal. It's the kind of propagandizing that is done by the Hitlers of the world. Because remember, uh, you know, Hitler made a lot of his headway by trying to somehow tell the Germans that the Jews were actually a threat to them. That's how, that's how he was able to coalesce power behind him by pointing to another group of people that could be come under attack by this, it, within the same country. It's funny because people have been uh, accused the president of doing that by, by, by what? Trying to keep terrorists out of the country? No, that's not what, that's not what uh, Hitler was doing. But you still had people like, uh, like Glenn Beck – and Hillary Clinton, who were at, who were the worst of the worst when it came to mimicking and modeling old school Nazi propagandists like like Goebbels, where they were they were purposely trying to pit Americans versus Americans. So what we, Hillary was really saying is, "Hey, people who support me, do you know that people who don't support me?" are racists and xenophobic and are bad for this country. And so what they wanted to do is essentially try to, 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 to turn Americans on to other Americans in terms of, uh, in terms of uh, fighting and, and, and bad words. And, and then it occurred to me, you know what? That's kind of what politicians do all the time. Democrat and Republican. That's what these guys do all the time. They prefer you and me fight with each other. So they create situations where there's a level of desperation in this country uh, because of their lack of 
you know, improvement of our economy, their lack of doing anything about us. Instead, what they do is they, they help all their corporatist campaign-donning masters and leave us to fend for whatever scraps are left. I believe I'm on to something there with the Republican and Democrats. Why else do you think, and I'll just explain it real quickly, why else do you think that we have not had, we did not have tax reform for 25 years, for a quarter of a century, we had nothing related to tax reform in this country, no relief whatsoever, whether it be for small businesses or for families or for individuals, how is it possible that we could go through Republican and Democrat administrations without any tax reform at all, any relief at all? And, and the only conclusion you can draw is it's because the Republicans and Democrats like it that way because they create a nation of haves and have-nots, of people who are favored and unfavored, and then we fight with each other. The haves fight with the have-nots because the haves thinks the have-nots are getting too much from the government, and the have-nots think the haves are getting too much from the government, <laughs> you know? in terms of the, whatever it happens to be, in terms of not being taxed enough. And so they create this environment where everybody's desperate. And everybody, everybody is, is, is angry with each other because they're looking at somebody succeeding and they're not succeeding, and they'll blame that person. They won't blame, they won't turn on the government. They won't turn on their own parties. The perfect example is, is, is with uh, uh, Democrats and Republicans have, have experienced this. The Democrats need to experience it now too, though. We've already – it already dawned on us, Republican-wise or conservative-wise, that the Republican Party was not working for us. They weren't even real Republicans, real real conservatives. They were Republicans. They just weren't conservatives. How else could you think that Republicans in power even during GW could not promote tax reform, deregulation – or even for that matter, get involved in trade deals that would undercut and create more have-nots in this country. How, how else could you possibly uh, imagine that? And so Republicans, luckily, it dawned on them that, hey, you know what? Jeb Bush sucks. You know what? These guys haven't done jack for us. You know, and, and, then, and then some Democrats even found out, they're listening to, to uh, President Trump talk, it's like, wow, Republic, I've never heard a Republican talk like that about, about helping the middle class and helping the American worker. I've never heard anybody talk like that before. I've heard them talk about gays and abortion and stuff, but never heard them talk about like the economy. And President Trump did. And that's why President Trump won the election, because there were Democrats who voted for him. Like Chris G, Steam Fitter Chris, who you meet tonight at Santino Cigars and Cocktails for the Radio Free Elman Happy Hour at five at five o'clock. So Democrats haven't figured it out yet. So they, they right now, so far, what they've done is they pretended that they've got everything under control. So you have Maxine Waters screaming like a hyena out there and 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 ordering her flying monkeys to attack people in restaurants and gasoline stations and stuff like that. Because what she's trying to do is keep the beacon off of her. You've got Nancy Pelosi, who's uh, grandly going out and, and, and doing news conferences on behalf of MS-13. These dreamers. 
They just want to be in this country to make a living. The MS-13 gang members cares more about them. But because, because what she's trying to do is create an atmosphere where, where she takes the beacon off of her. Because sooner or later, Democrats are going to realize that, hey, you know what? They're going to realize what we realized about the Republican Party. You know what? Nancy Pelosi sucks. She hasn't done anything for us. And, and Mitch and, 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 and Chuck Schumer and these guys, they haven't done anything for us. And you know what? It's President Trump who's done more for us than the Democratic Party has. Like, when, are black, when is it going to dawn on the black population? I think ultimately it will. We'll see. We'll see in the midterms and we'll see in, the, uh, in, the, in 2020. But I think, you know, maybe uh, blacks are, are going to realize, wow, you know what? You're right. The first time I've actually ever seen low unemployment in the black community is with a Republican president named Donald Trump. I never saw it during Obama's time. In fact, things got worse for us, not better. So suddenly the Democrats are going to realize, and, and, and that's why the Democrats keep talking about race, and that's why they keep, that's why, they, that's why this Kavanaugh thing has been such a, a big deal for them, because it's all they have left to be able to, to, to retain power. They have to create this atmosphere where, uh-oh, it's, it's misogyny all over again. And, and so they have to have some victim of some sort, even, even as, as incredible and uncredible as this person is, they still need to hang on to this because they have nothing else. And, and again, the midterms aren't going to be kind to them. And you're right, John, the midterms will settle this argument once and for all. And, and believe me, there will be some Democrats elected. It, 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 it happens every single off election year when a president from the other party has taken, taken over and has done – like when Obama was, took over in 2008, Republicans took over in 2010, uh, the House. And, and, and of course it happens because uh, – and the Senate because, because what happens is they, they – uh, there's a reaction. But, but that's not going to happen this time around. Because the reaction so far among people is, yeah, things are pretty good. And unemployment's low and the GDP's high. I know my 401ks are doing great. My, uh, my neighbor has an, another job now. My wages have gone up. Why am I going to go back to the polls in 2018 and unravel all that? How's that, how's that possible? I mean, you're still going to get, of course, the crazy left loons who are going to gonna have a couple of seats. And, and, and actually, some of the Republicans better watch out. I'm, I'm a little worried about some of the Republicans who have been squishy on Trump. Because believe me, you get a Democrat in there who talks a good game when it comes to, uh, when it comes to fiscal responsibility and jobs and stuff like that. A Democrat who who uh, parts from their party and starts talking about the economy the way President Trump has, there will be some people who are more than happy to send some of these squishy Republicans packing. Even if it means getting a Democrat in, but if that Democrat is talking, uh, the, is catching on to the Trump economy and and why the Trump economy is doing so well, there's a chance they could actually be. Uh, 
they could actually be more Democrats elected. So you, you better watch out. You peop, you Republicans who have kind of stood on the sidelines, not been supportive of President Trump, not been out there loud and proud, you might lose your seat to a Democrat who works harder than you do and talks like President Trump does. Because that's the only way a Democrat's going to win is by uh, – or Democrats are going to take any kind of hold is if they talk like President Trump does about the economy. And very few have the guts to do that because they're so afraid. But I wouldn't be afraid anymore. Remember how, how you were not afraid to vote for President Trump. Oh, watch out. It's going to be the death of the Republican Party. And you're like, so? <laughs> I'm going to vote for President Trump anyway. We'll see about all this. And now the Republican Party is stronger than ever. And, and John, you're correct. There are some conservative Democrats out there who are kind of lurking in the background. And, they are, and if there are enough resentful Republicans who don't like the fact that they've been watching the people they've elected stand by and, and not do anything and not cooperate, not support the president's agenda, you're darn right they'll let him go ahead and, and die on the vine. So you got to watch out for all that. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just warning you, uh, there, that could happen. But again, as lo- listen, if, if you're a Democrat and you're supportive of the, of, of, of the president's agenda, you've got a pretty good chance of making some headway, even among Republicans, believe me. Because uh, there are people who would rather have somebody supporting President B- uh, Trump's agenda even if they are Democrats, then have Republicans who are wishy-washy and won't even say Trump's name. Yeah, you GOP, you Missouri GOP guys who go to these state fairs and, and, and don't put up a Trump sign because, because you're afraid it's going to embarrass you or do whatever, uh, you got another thing coming. You're going to get your asses handed to you eventually. Whether it be in 2018 or 2020, we know who you are and we know what you're up to. And, and so, believe me, your, your, your number is going to be up because we know who you are and we know what's going on. So be careful. I'm just telling you, just be careful. So we'll see how it all goes. But anyway, back to Kevin. It's, it's all the Democrats have now is, is, the, is they're represented by screaming Hyenas like Maxine Waters, dopey, mentally challenged people like Nancy Pelosi, and a bunch of screaming hipsters pushing themselves into restaurants and and yelling at people and uh, people making fake accusations against Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh, none of this stuff is true as far as I'm concerned. It's all trumped up, but it's all they have. Poor Brett Kavanaugh, man. <laughs> I have no question that dude, it's written all over his face. I have no question that dude was a, was a partier in college. Of course he was. Who wasn't? He was a partier in college, had a fun time. But everything, this, this guy, Brett Kavanaugh is a victim of President Trump's success. And Brett Kavanaugh is a victim of Democrat desperation. And I feel bad for him. I saw this picture of him uh, and his wife and his uh, two little girls, sweet little girls. This must be so hard for them because everything is so fake. 
and, and I'm sorry, but I don't believe Dr. Ford for a second. I don't know whether she was assaulted or not, but, but, that's, but, but she wasn't assaulted by Brett Kavanaugh. Avenetti's a liar. That Swetnick woman's a liar. Ramirez is a, is a drunken liar. And Brett Kavanaugh is a victim of the happy days are here again, Trump administration. And, and he is just being beaten right in front of us over the head with phoniness and fakery and trumped up charges. But it, because it's all the Democrats have. If they keep this thing afloat, you know, for long enough, uh, you know, the, the, the mythical white suburban female voter, what, she's, they're going to go now to uh, vote Democrat? Hell no. But this is all they have, so it's desperation. And I feel bad for Brett Kavanaugh because he's, he's, he's stuck in the, in the middle of all this, and, and, he, and he's a victim of the wild, crazy success of President Trump and of, of this country doing well. And so the, the Democrats pull out their usual bag of tricks. Uh, you know, I, 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 yeah, Vicky, you're right. When he heard this third thing about the gang rape, he was like, this is like, this is like the Twilight Zone. This is unbelievable. And unfortunately, uh, you know, I think he, he's going to get through this, and he better. Uh, because if he doesn't and, and he winds up uh, losing this 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 nomination because of this, it'll be a really hugely sad, damaging day for this country. He's a victim, Brett Kavanaugh is. There's no doubt in my mind. And we're also in an environment, ladies and gentlemen, where we have people like uh, Jeffrey Tubin. Can you 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 have to you have to imagine it takes unbelievable hubris to be a Jeffrey Tubin and go on television and make the accusations against President Trump for being a misogynist or a woman hater that he did because I want to tell you before I hit this soundbite and I'm going to call then I got to call uh, Jimmy Carafano before I hit the soundbite, I want to tell you that, that, that Jeffrey Tubin, you're just about to hear him speak, okay? And it's going to shock you. It's going to shock you. Let me just rewind this a little bit here. Shoot. You, you know. It- okay. So Jeffrey Tubin is a. Comes to this. Is less than 10 years ago, Jeffrey Tubin, married guy, was banging Jeff Greenfield's daughter. His colleague at ABC, he was having sex and a relationship with Jeff Greenfield's daughter. He got her pregnant. He desperately begged her to have an abortion. And then also said that he would pay for the abortion. She decided to choose life. When she decided to choose life, Jeffrey Tubin said, well, if you have the baby, I'm not paying for the baby. I'm not going to support the baby. And you know what? She had the baby and then uh, had to sue him because he refused to pay child support for the baby. She had to take Jeffrey Tubin to court. Hold on. Uh, uh, okay. Um, 
It's Jim Carafano. Hold on, let me just make sure I can I can get him on the line here. Uh, two hundred two. Okay. So so she has the baby. He refuses to support the baby. She's got to sue him. Take Jeffrey Tubin to court. So here's a guy who has a girlfriend. He's married, has his girlfriend, has sex with her. She gets pregnant. He wants her to have an abortion. She doesn't have one. He threatens her after she decides that they have one and says, well, if you, if you have the baby, I'm not giving you a dime. You're on your own. So she has the baby, and he, true to his word, left her high and dry with no amount of support at all. She had to sue him. This same Jeffrey Tubin yesterday is on television, okay, with these words about President Trump. You, you know, in Donald Trump's world, in the relation between the sexes, it's always 1957, and he's the head of the Rat Pack. Can you believe that coming out of this deadbeat dad's mouth? This guy who wanted to kill a baby because it was, it was inconvenient for him is, is accusing President Trump of being back in 1957? And I don't even know what he means about the Rat Pack, which is an insult to the Rat Pack, by the way. Because to my knowledge, nobody in the Rat Pack impregnated uh, a girlfriend and, 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 and demanded she have an abortion. Did, did, did Dean Martin or Joey Bishop or Sammy Davis Jr. demand that, they, uh, that, that their, their girlfriends have abortions? Were they ever taken to court for child support? Man, it takes some nerve to get out there and flap your lips the way Jeffrey Tubin, deadbeat dad and baby killer. It takes it takes a it takes a lot of hubris to come out on TV and flap your lips like that. And and it, and shame on CNN. It's one thing uh, to not refute him. It's another thing. Why don't you just kind of tell Jeffrey Tubin his his uh, services are not needed today? Hey Jeffrey, we're going to give you a little bit of break today because. Uh, we're talking about misogyny and relations between men and women, and we're not quite sure you're really equipped to lecture anybody about that. Good morning this morning. Uh, Jim Carafano. Good morning, Jim Carafano. Welcome to Radio Free Almond. Jamie will be with you in just a second. Hang on, please. Hey, what's up, Jimmy? How you doing, man? Hey, what's going on? Rain. <laughs> How you doing, man? Rain. Theater, we have had more the... rain than Seattle and Washington D.C. So <laughs> when they say drain the swamp, I, like it was so. How did Trump know? Yeah, it's like f- first drain my basement, then then <laughs> <laughs> then we'll drain the swamp. Yeah, it must be. I I, I know every time I turn around, I, I see when I was watching people on Fox News, it's pouring down rain up there. So the entire East Coast must be underwater. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that's part of the reason why Hurricane Florence was so you know bad when it hit uh, North and South Carolina is because a lot of places were inundated, and then you brought in this all this rain on top of that, so you really had unprecedented flooding. So, you know, we should keep all those folks in our prayer. I hate this, right? You know, after the headlines go and the guy with the microphone that's standing in the blowing wind. There's a lot of people that are that are suffering still in shelters, um, have to rebuild their lives, rebuild their homes and their communities. We should never forget them, and we always say, oh, well, the government will take care of that. 99% of rebuilding a community is done by the community, and I think, I think our prayers are important. It does help to remind people that, that we are a, a, a nation that 
that loves everyone in the nation. And, and, and that enough, I think, gives people a, the notion that, yeah, pick up and rebuild. But we should. Yeah, you know, I think. Yeah, that's interesting because it is interesting how, you know, uh, the, the hurricane, it becomes like the story of the week. Right. And r- really the, the worst part uh, comes way after. I mean, right. if you, even if you go down to Houston still, they're still trying to dig right. themselves out of that. Hell, you could go, go where Sandy was and still find people uh, in, in trouble there. And, and, and could, because, yeah. No, no, no. Because, but see, in contrast, right. And in contrast to that, this tells you so much about the way the media and and the the angry critics in particularly in this town work is in the run up to this there were you know people were were recycling stories about Puerto Rico and just finding everything they could say to suggest that you know just in case things don't go really well in the hurricane it's really bad we can blame Trump right so, I mean, even before anything had happened, people were trying to figure out how to blame Trump. And and then, of course, one, nothing. I mean, it's a terrible disaster, and we have to recover from all that. But there wasn't anything they could pin the tail on the, on the, on the donkey. But even more yeah. important, the other things broke. And so, like Lemmings, you know, it's like they're, they're off on, you know, Kavanaugh or whatever. And they want you to believe that they care about you that the only reason why they're attacking the president and everything else is because they're standing up for America. But the reality is, is they're just looking for something to complain about, to take this administration down. And they are, they are off of that story and on to the next story as soon as it's clear that Americans aren't stupid enough to buy that and they're hopeful to buy something. I always think about the other day is when we're there, all this Kavanaugh stuff and everything else is like, what happened to all the poor little children separated at the border, Right. That yeah, the Democrats right. are ready to, you know, start a revolution over. I mean, that issue has, I, I think they were wrong, but the issue hasn't gone away. Do any of them talk about that issue? No, because they're talking about the latest blah, blah, that they think can, it's all about, I mean, literally, anybody who argues that it's just not about politics and it's about trying to, trying to take this administration down, I mean, that's just, that's not a partisan comment. It's just a factual comment if you actually follow the news cycle. Yeah, I absolutely, and, and you know it's interesting too because we have uh, situations where, you, you, like, when the president was handing out you know food to these people in North in North Carolina, this one community, they were obsessing over this idea that it was just a stage job, blah blah blah, and the news media then packs up their tents and leaves, and and and. There's a guy actually giving them food, helping them, right. and the news media hasn't lifted a finger for any of these people. It's crazy. It is. So what? So what do you think about the UN speech yesterday? Um, I thought it was a nothing burger, and and the reason for that is there was nothing in that speech that the president hasn't said a thousand times, and and if you actually read the national security strategy, he is restating things that are just very clearly articulated in the national security strategy. So to me, the news story is not that, um, you know, whatever the, you know, typical thing they want to talk about the applause or the laughter or whatever. What, what that really reminds me, Hey, this administration is not reckless. They're not impulsive. They're not crazy. They're not incoherent. They actually have a very serious, consistent foreign policy and strategy and the fact that the president just basically got up and regurgitated what we've been doing the last two years, that to me is the takeaway from the speech. 
Yeah, and I was curious about the uh, the president's statement uh, that 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 some of them all laughed at when he talked about uh, the accomplishments of his administration compared to uh, the comp- right. uh, the 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 accomplishments of of other administrations throughout history. But I was curious about them laughing at him because because I tried to explain that there's on several fronts, whether it be terrorism, whether it be trade. Um, whether it be uh, other economic conditions, other things, he has done. They ought to be actually appreciating what the president has done. I mean, they're, uh, North Korea. I mean, it seems to me that, that it was a little ungrateful for them to laugh at him. Well, uh, I'm not an expert in humor, right? So uh, when when people call and they say, "What does this mean?" I'm like, I don't know. Go get Howie Mandel on your show and find somebody that's an expert in humor to explain you the dynamics of why people might have thought that was funny. I, I just don't know. And and so, you know, I really focus on the substance of the speech. Now, a lot of people you know, said, well, you know, we thought it was kind of unseemly that the president's kind of there bragging, you know, about his accomplishments. Well, one, other countries do that. I mean, if you listen to all these speeches, which who would want to do that? Other, other countries do that, so it's not unprecedented. Two is, okay bragging seems a little unseemly. I get that. But come on, that's Trump. That's what he does. I keep telling people, if your expectation is he's ever going to act like anything but Trump, get over it. I I was working on a report with um, some Europeans kind of trying to look about, you know, joint U.S.-European stuff. And, And one of the recommendations of, well, the president should just stop, you know, kind of pressing Europeans on spending 2% of GDP. It's annoying them. And I'm like, that may make you. I get that, right? You may you think that might help, but this president is not going to do that. Donald Trump is never going to stop being Donald Trump. And if your notion is, and people should just accept that, and then people say, "Well, they don't take us seriously." I'm like, right? We have the world's largest economy. We have one of the largest nuclear arsenals on the planet. We have the largest military on the not the largest military. We have the most capable military on the planet that can go any place in the world and fight people. And we are actively engaged in every part of the world, sanctioning the Russians, sanctioning the Iranians, hammering the Chinese with tariffs, you know, negotiating with the North Koreans. Yeah, let's let's go with that line. Nobody takes America seriously, right? And we're the laughing stock of the world. Yeah, let's try that one, you know. Yeah. Well, and, you know, the president, I mean, it's true. I'm so glad you point that out about the the president's personality. It's so interesting how, you know, people, like, for instance, even with the Kavanaugh thing, and I'm not going to drag you into this, but what I'm saying is, you know, they keep saying, well, I hope the president doesn't talk about this because it's just going to ruin everything. And the same people who said, I hope he stops tweeting and oh, what is this? He goes, and I keep trying to tell people, no, we elected the same guy that we're getting uh, right now. Right. And, 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 we, we, and we didn't elect President Trump uh, to suddenly become president and, and shut his mouth. I mean, this is the way we, we liked this during the campaign. We liked the way he talked. We liked his confidence right. and, and his determination. And we don't want any of that to go away. So he is who he is. And, and again, even in terms of whether it be bragging, boy, it's a, it's a far cry from when we had uh, President Obama occasionally talking to the rest of the world going, don't worry, I'm going to take care of these Americans. I'm sorry about them. You know? yeah. It's like, I'm, well, I'm you just- know, okay. So you're right. And, and the way you framed it was we like that. People that support the president voted for him because they thought he was something different, a plain spoken, in your face kind of guy. And that's what they wanted, right? And, 
and and it's very clear that in part Trump remains Trump because he is trying to directly connect with the people who support him to let him know I am still your guy and break through the media and and everything else. If you notice yesterday his speech at the UN was very 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 disciplined and very serious yeah. for the most part and it wasn't Trumpian right. but he did that because he was talking to a bunch of diplomats. He wasn't talking to his people. But you're right. He tries to connect with his people. So what's I he and he doesn't even look, he doesn't make any bones about it. He is not trying to talk to the, you know, cabernet uh, cabernet sipping liberal on their desk, you know, on their you know, chair staring out at the California Bay watching the sunset over the 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 Golden Gate Bridge. He doesn't he's not even trying to talk to them. But in fairness, Neither did Obama. Obama got up there and gave these pukey speeches that was designed to make the, you know, the Sauvignon sipping liberal in their Manhattan skyscraper apartment, you know, go all gaga, right? He didn't, he didn't right. try to talk to, main, you know, red state Americans. He did the same thing. So, okay, you don't like his style. I get that. You know what? I don't like some of the things about his style. Um, the difference is, is, is what I have to do is, whether it's, you know, Obama's pandering to the left or, you know, Trump's, you know, giving red meat to red states. What I have to do as an analyst is strip all that away and say, what are they actually doing, right? You know, how are they actually impacting on the world? And what you saw in the UN speech was an affirmation that the, that this president is looking out for our interests. And oh, by the way, if you are a like-minded nation, if you believe in democracy and freedom and the freedom of people and a positive, then then, then, then that's good for you, and then you are a good friend for us, and we are a good friend for you. That's what he said yesterday. Obama! You know, <laughs> I have to tell you that, that uh, I, I – and this is not a criticism of the president, but because I'm so used to him and his level of swagger and his, his kind of personality – I got the feeling like he didn't really want to do this. I mean, I yeah, I totally did. I too. Like to- I'm here, I'm giving this speech to a bunch of people I'd rather not talk to. And right. Then, then I'm going to go down the street and get a slice of pizza. <laughs> yeah, right. I know he just he felt like he was he was even kind of boring himself a, a little bit. And I'm, I'm 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 not saying he you know I'm not criticizing him. I'm just saying it, it almost felt like oh here we go the obligatory Donald Trump speech to the UN. And I I would guarantee you. Many of us who support him didn't even really listen to it because we we're like, okay, that's right. Yeah, that's what, funny. What? Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, yeah, and we could have cared less if he had gone and give a speech at the UN. I mean, it wasn't, I it wasn't for us. We didn't care. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, so, can you? I know. Do you get into the the trade elements? Because I noticed I yesterday, I heard that China has now reduced its tariffs by almost three percent. If my numbers are correct. And that's kind of flying in the face of claims that somehow this trade war was going to be horrible. And it looks like looks like China is at a certain level reacting positively. Um, yeah, I think we're still in the too soon uh, to tell. But it's not what it's not clearly is. America is all protectionist and. Nothing's going, you know, and and all antagonistic with other countries. Um, the China thing is still some back and forth. Um, we we signed a tentative trade deal with Mexico. Um, they just signed an updated trade deal with Korea, and they just announced a new trade thing with Japan. So, 
and and trade is important to our economy, but it's just one component of our economy. So this notion of a trade war and all this is leading to you know World War Three and everything else, it's a bit over the top. I'll be honest with you, I don't like our trade policy and the way the president's managing it, but he's the president. You know, if it has a good outcome, I'll be the first to say, like, okay, smarter than me. Um, right. if, if it doesn't, it it's not the end of the universe as we know it, um, in part because he's done so much to get the economy going uh, that it's, you know, completely overwhelming. And the thing is, is if combined with everything else he's done to get the economy going, if he actually, in the end, does wind up liberalizing trade and increasing trade opportunities and making it more better for Americans to sell things over abroad and stopping Chinese meddling and identity and you know, pro, you know, stealing um, intellectual property and stuff like that. If he manages to do that, this economy is going to go through the roof. And that's back to your point that you made about people at the UN should have been cheering with. The number one thing the United States can do for the global economy is for, to grow the American economy. We are the world's largest consumer of everything. If we consume things, everybody in the world has somebody to sell something to. So everybody should be cheering for our economy to grow and be strong because it is a tide that lifts all boats. Well, that's for sure. I would think that, that, that well, you know, because we continue to have, uh, even if, if you do change up the, the trade deals, we continue to have great economic relationships with all these countries where some of their best customers, I mean, you know, right. so the, when we're, when we're doing well, we're, you know, it's, it's kind of like if you're a car dealer in St. Louis, you want people in St. Louis to have, right. Prosperity because they're coming to you for a car. And for all this thing about Trump's bad for let's look at what's just happened in in the last sixty days. Um, progress in trade negotiations with the European Union, um, tentative trade deal with Mexico, uh, updated trade deal with Korea, and new and, and progress in um, trade with Japan, and the still the potential for for the U.S. Canada deal. So. For a guy who's anti-trade and who hates trade and and doesn't know what he's doing, um, he's actually how, how is he accomplishing things? This is the thing I don't understand: is that Trump is the worst president ever. Okay, your economy's growing. You've destroyed ISIS. Your enemies are afraid of you. Um, you're cutting trade deals. Explain to me again how he's the worst president ever. How does that work? Yeah, and I, I just because I don't like him. I don't like his hair. You know, <laughs> right, exactly. I don't like his tan. You know, I, I don't like the way he talks. I hate that he doesn't. He doesn't say. You know, I hate that he. He doesn't look presidential to me. I mean, right. I hate. Uh, okay. <laughs> it, you know. You know what this would be like. Here, here's the, This is this is the way it would be. You are lying on a table, and you are getting ready for open heart surgery. And if this surgery is not successful, you will die. Right, and so. Your family goes and hires the world's leading heart surgeon to save your life. And he walks in the room and his, kind of, his hair is all scraggly and, and he looks kind of goofy and he's a little overweight. And you look at him and go, oh, I don't like the way that guy looks. All right, get me a different heart surgeon. Yeah. Get me somebody that yeah, looks right. like a heart surgeon. Oh, so they go down the wall and they go, here's an actor who plays heart surgery on TV, right? And he, and he's, and the guy, great, have that guy operate with it. Now, he doesn't actually know how to do anything, right? 
but he looks like a doctor. Which one do you want? Well, I want the guy that looks like a doctor, right? So we had eight years of somebody right. that looked like a heart surgeon, right? And what did we get? And now we have somebody who looks like a guy that you shouldn't let in in the hospital, let alone the you know to some people. And but you know he can save your life. But yeah, the, what does well, what does the left want? That's a great analogy because you you could you could also transfer that to sports. If you just said yeah. uh, if if you looked at Bill Belichick, yeah. you think that 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 guy can't be a football coach. Yeah, give like, me somebody that look. Give me somebody that looks like Vince Lombardi for God's sakes. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, or yeah, or looks like a or Joe or looks like a quarterback. It's like no, some of those guys uh, they know it. Uh, they know what they're doing. Like or or look at any baseball manager out there. Yeah, you know, right. Like, How is yeah you know. Jim Leland was one of the best managers ever in baseball, and he smoked cigarettes in the dugout. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, Babe, <laughs> could you imagine violence. if Babe Ruth walked into a, a clubhouse? I don't want that guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, yeah, I know. <laughs> no, no doubt about but, it. But, yes, so we can right, go so- back to having somebody who looks, makes you feel very good. Like, oh, my God, what a handsome man. You know, <laughs> uh, oh, you know what a striking – he's an uh, – come on. Really? Seriously? Yeah, right. Yeah. All right. One quick question, though, because I, I did kind of mystify myself in mid-sentence today when I was talking about all the accomplishments that the president has uh, and, and his team have achieved along with the military uh, overseas. And I said, ISIS has all but disappeared. Where where are these guys? Like, whatever, what happened to them? Like, what's going on with that? How, how did they – I know they're gone, but where did they go? So there are – uh, you know, of affiliates of ISIS kind of scattered about the region. This goes, you know, back, you know, we always forget because we move on to the next outrage. The first thing that everybody was outraged at was this, these terrible restrictions that Trump was putting on people coming to the United States from this handful of countries. This was xenophobic. It was anti-Muslim. It was just, it was just pure hate. It was about politics and xenophobia and Trump's terrible person. Right. Um, and at the time, I kept saying, this is no. The reason why we're doing this is because Trump is going to go, and they're going to crush ISIS, and, and they're going to disband. And what's going to happen to the tens of thousands of foreign fighters and other people that flooded into support ISIS is they're going to go somewhere. And where they're going to go is they're going to go to these countries. And then what they're going to do when they get to those countries is they're going to try and leave them and come to the West or come to the United States or go to Australia and continue the war. And what Trump is trying to do is, before that starts, to put up a, a, lock the door so they can't come here. What happened? We crushed ISIS. Those guys scattered. They went to exactly the countries that are on the list. And then from there, they're trying to get to the West. They're trying to get to the United States. They're trying to get to other places. And, you know, we are, you know, but they can't come here because we have, we have controls in place to stop that. And the matter of fact, the only confirmed case where we had one of those guys getting here was under Obama and as part of his refugee program. Wow. Well, uh, yeah. I, now I have the answer. I, I mean, I, these guys, it, it's interesting, though, because I, I, they're not even – usually you're, you're seeing them squawking in videos or doing right. something but, or, or riding around in those dumb stolen trucks and stuff, right. and they're, they're not anywhere to be seen. Well, the, but, but you raise a good point because they are still out there, and the lesson learned from the last 20 – actually going back before 9-11, the last 25 years of 
fighting transnational terrorism is when we don't take the threat seriously and we aren't hounding these guys to the ends of the earth, they're reorganized and they come back after us. And as long as we take it seriously and as long as we're out there and we're looking for them and we swat them like flies when they come together, it's a manageable problem. So we, this administration came in and they've been very forceful about counterterrorism. Um, they just have to keep at it. And it was probably a generational thing. I mean, eventually this generation of yahoos will grow old and, you know, retire. And then we shouldn't presume that this, this is just going to go on forever because, you know, people won't follow them. I mean, the last great generation of terrorism, you know, it played itself out. I mean, and in, in the nineties, there was actually very, very little of this. And then because we weren't paying attention, you know, bin Laden kind of started the fire again. And so as long as we pay attention to this, it's a, it's a manageable problem. Yeah, no doubt. All right, buddy. Well, listen, uh, stay dry, as they say, up there in uh, beautiful <laughs> it's supposed D.C. To rain again. It's supposed to rain again. <laughs> All right, brother. Good talking. Okay, man. Well, listen, great talking, and thanks for the illumination, as always, Jimmy. All right, see you. Check it out at heritage.org is where you can find all the, uh, the white papers you'll ever need uh, from, uh, on all kinds of issues, including trade. Uh, Jim is way up to date on the whole North Korean issue, and so everything's on there at heritage.org. So we are about three minutes away from the beginning of the Kavanaugh hearings, and uh, there are yet more really crazy-ass uh, allegations and things that now basically these folks have seemingly uh, jumped the shark because they are just uh, um, they're they're more each one is more ridiculous than the rest, including now things about some Rhode Island boat. That's just like come on, people. Uh, they are desperate, and Brett Kavanaugh is a victim. He's a victim of the desperation of the Democratic Party. And they are pulling out all the stops to get their revenge for the election loss of 2016 and to avoid the beacon shining on them in the midterms in November 18. And so as long as they can just sit there and point fingers at somebody else for being the scourge of the world, uh, they're going to do it. All right. So one of the interesting parts here that's just coming out is about this Julie Swetnick. She's the, the gang rape alleger. You know, she's the one who uh, claims without anybody backing her up at all. And she's the one also who had a restraining order filed against her by an old boyfriend once. And she filed also a sexual harassment complaint. And it just so happens that the person who represented her in this sexual harassment complaint she was represented by the same firm that employs Ford's lawyer, Deborah Katz. Is that a coincidence? Is that just something that just kind of came out of nowhere? Coincidences do happen. I mean, things do happen. Sometimes uh, randomness is five numbers in a row. So there's a possibility, like, you know, like you could pick a random number for the lottery and it could be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and that's random. Sometimes uh, that randomness can be in a row. But this is kind of hard to believe that this is just a coincidence that the lawyer, Deborah Katz, who is Ford's lawyer, 
is employed by the same firm that represented Julie Swetnick in a sexual harassment claim. So there's the mess that uh, continues to grow uh, as it relates to the um, uh, relates to the strength of of these arguments these uh, women are making. So we'll see how it goes. And uh, honestly, I believe in the end, Brett Kavanaugh will be confirmed. Uh, this story and these stories are going south. And Brett Kavanaugh prevails. I hope he does. Unless something really weird comes out that we have no idea. I mean, even President Trump left open that possibility. He goes, you know, listen, it might change my mind. Well, that's true. I mean, we have to at least wait for the hearings to play out. But this it should be one hell of a, you know what, show today. We'll follow up on it all tomorrow for you. Don't forget, tonight, 5 o'clock, Santino's Cigars and Cocktails for the Radio Free Allman Happy Hour. It's going to be a ton of fun. Got the County Brown Barbecue guys out there, $10 a plate, raising money for Backstoppers. Doug Giles is going to be in tomorrow as well. And Kim Paris also. Hopefully, we'll see Kim down there at the happy hour. Santino Cigars and Cocktails, Vogel Road in beautiful Arnold. Five o'clock today. See you there. Thank you to Naputi Wellness, NaputiWellness.com. Dr. Eric Naputi, thank you, buddy. Love you, man. Love all you do for my people and for me. Thank you. Matthew Mitchell and Matthew Mitchell, Allstate Agency, 855. Quote me. Low premiums, low deductibles, and breaks for young people, too. Home, auto, and life. Do not forget also about my buddy Michael Proctor, Proctor Drapery. Proctor spelled like doctor seven days a week with his mobile design unit coming to your doorstep. Got a great eye, interior designer, you name it. He's got it for you. Thank you, Tracy Ellis. TracyEllis.com. Rick and Tracy, thanks for your support of me and the show. Thank you also to Discovery Design, Discovery Design Inc. DiscoveryDesignInc.com. For all of your trucking and fleet needs, Rick and Jerry and the rest of the team have a great operation out there in St. Peter's. They'll wrap, paint, build, you name it, you got it. And they're doing it nationwide. Also, ladies and gentlemen, thank you to Golden Oak Lending, goldenoaklending.com, and the number, 314-567-GOLD, 314-567-GOLD. Have a great rest of your day, everybody.